Hey there, welcome to MC Complete Game. It's a podcast where we talk about the Marvel movies. Decide if they're good, or if they're not good, or if they're average. You know, they just could be mediocre. I'm your host, Crystal, and with me is Luke. You had me at high, and they sure can be average, can't they? This is, you know, my my own history and relationship with this film is that Guardians was a bad one, uh-huh. and Ultron was a really good one. So there's kind of a whiplash there for a little bit, you know? Yeah, if you say so. But then you come back to this one, and it's just like a nice, relaxing seat. I, the idea that someone would have... Like, this movie feels generically fine to me in exactly the same way that Guardians is. It, you know, it's the first one where the protagonist is dad. Yeah. So if you're a dad, maybe you'll have dad feelings. I guess. Did we say what the name of this one was? Oh, it's Ant-Man. We're talking about Ant-Man? Ant-Man. 2015 film Ant-Man, directed by Peyton Reed, who is yeah. a better director than Edgar Wright. What has Peyton Reed directed? Uh, Bring It On. I've not seen that movie, so I guess I can't say for sure. Yes Man with Jim Carrey. I haven't seen that one either. Uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp. I haven't seen that one yet. I'll say, if, if based on the one Peyton Reed movie I've seen, you're wrong. <laughs> the Breakup with Vince Vaughn and Jennifer Aniston. I haven't seen any of this, this person's movies. Down with Love. Nope, still no. Yeah, I, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> but yeah, so I guess that's something we gotta touch on, is that, yeah, all the Edgar Wright shit that happened with this movie. Right, this is one of the first movies they announced back in 2006. Yeah. Like, with a director and script done. Right. But then Edgar Wright kept making other movies instead. I kept making other movies, and I, I mean, it, it's been a while, and I never really paid that close of attention, but I was under the impression, too, that, like, he got a lot of pushback from Marvel about, like, what he wanted to do with the movie, and ended up just being like, all right, yep, I don't care anymore, bye. Right, there he left because of creative differences. Yeah. Which who knows what that means. Uh, who knows what that means? I, I will say, like, we haven't talked about it a ton. MCU movies have a very consistent, like, style and tone to them with minor variations from movie to movie. And regardless of if you like Edgar Wright movies, he definitely has, like, a very, uh showy style to how he makes movies that I could see them being like, yeah, that's not, it's got to fit with, like, Iron Man, though. I, I remember Peyton Reed was annoyed because people attributed certain things about this movie, like the Louise sequences, to yeah. Edgar Wright. He was like, no, fuck you, that was Michael Pena's idea. Yeah. Edgar yeah, Wright didn't I, think of that. I definitely, th- those sequences are the only ones that, if I looked at that movie and had to say, like, okay, what Edgar Wright ideas survived? Those do seem kind of Edgar Wrighty, so I get why people would feel that way. But yeah, I mean, people also are make a lot of assumptions about that kind of thing in movies. I can think of one Edgar Wright idea that survived. Oh, uh, what's that? Hope not having a role. Oh well, that sucks. Yeah. Why'd you do that, Edgar Wright? Don't do that. Yeah. Why? How? Why? How come Edgar Wright can't write women? I guess he really can't, can he? No, he hasn't done it yet. Hmm, you know what? I hadn't really thought about that, but you're absolutely right. Uh-huh. Like, the closest he gets is, like, Knives and Ramona and Scott Pilgrim, and I'm not saying that as a compliment. The One of the strangest things about this movie is that it almost feels like... Like, it feels defensive about the way it treats Hope. Almost like uh, they wanted to do more with her, but there was some kind of mandate that, oh no, you don't get Wasp until the second movie. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely, because, like, Hope's entire point in this movie is that, like, this movie would be way better if it was about her, and everyone's like, no, you're not allowed. Right, and they they don't just, like, brush past it, they talk about it. Man, this movie would be a lot better if it was about her, though, huh? 
Yeah, kind of like how Guardians would be better if it was about Gamora. Yeah, because, like, this movie, uh, the whole, like, emotional, like, arc of this movie is very muddled and, like, not very compelling. It's, like, got a lot of lip service to things that you're supposed to feel emotions about without actually, like, making good film around it. I'll tell you one thing I like about this movie, and this might not sound positive, but it actually is. Okay, yeah. So we talked a little bit before during Avengers 1, how that movie almost looked like a high-budget TV movie. Sure, yeah. This movie kind of feels like a high-budget ABC family movie. You know what? You're 100% right. I hadn't thought about that, but yeah, you're right. It does. And I kind of like that tone it has. Uh Right, well, I I will say, coming off of Ultron, where they're, like, dropping a whole giant CG city full of robot monsters on on the world, a movie that takes place, like, 70% in a shitty old house is kind of nice. Right, both Ant-Man and Ant-Man 2 take place two months after a big Avengers movie. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So there seems to be designed to be kind of like, well, we did that big thing, let's do a small thing. A small thing, like with Ant-Man. Yeah, like, you know, he's a a shrinking boy. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else we need to hit on before we, we we dive on in here. Luke, as in as somewhat of a of a connoisseur of uh-huh. fiction involving uh shrinking and size differences. Alright, guess we're doing this. Cool. Well, what's up? How do you how do you do you feel that that conceit was used uh creatively in this film? Uh yeah, I think so. I, I think one thing and I'll point to specific examples when we get through it. Doing anything live action with like shrinking is really hard to make look good. This movie has some parts that look pretty good and some parts where it's like, oh, you just put a camera with a fisheye lens on the floor and just kind of said fuck it because it's hard to do. Any of uh, the parts where it goes like completely CG, I think look pretty bad. See, I think those ones look the best because you don't, you're not trying to composite elements together that aren't the same size. Like, to me, to me, the ones that stand out the worst are the, like, POV shots, where it's just supposed to be, like, Ant-Man's perspective. Uh, because, again, it's just, you got a camera, put a fisheye lens with it, and set it on the floor, and, like, that doesn't, it does not create the impression that you're looking through the eyes of a tiny man. It just creates the impression that you're looking through a camera you put on the floor. Well, let's, um, let's, is this the first time you've seen this movie, Luke? No, I've seen this movie before. Uh, this was part of the same, like, kind of binge session I had where I was bored at work and just watched through, like, most of, like, like just a huge chunk of Marvel movies starting at, like, what was it? I, some, some Phase 2 movie. Maybe Iron Man 2? I don't remember. I don't remember what it was. Uh, and then watched up through Civil War. And then I really hated Civil War. I was like, all right, that was, none of that was worth my time. Oh, is that going to be our next big disagreement? Oh, are you a big fan of Civil War? I think I think it's quite good. Yes, man. I mean, again, maybe rewatching it, uh, I'll change my mind. But I sure didn't about Ultron. So yeah, I'm probably not going to like it the second time. I suppose let's just get into it. All right, yeah, yeah, let's go for it. We got a cold open this time. Yeah, we begin in 1989 yeah. as the Triskelion Shield headquarters is being constructed. Oh, yeah, I guess that is what this is, huh? And they put all their budget into uh, young Michael Douglas's face. Because <laughs> it actually does look very convincing. It does, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, and he goes into a room with Ned Stark and Peggy Carter and some douchebag. You say Ned Stark? Yeah, you know, the running joke I do where I confuse Ned Stark from Game of Thrones with Howard Stark from the MCU. I'm a very funny man, Crystal. Okay. 
So he's I like, make the good jokes. You motherfuckers, you tried to replicate my pin particles. Yeah, yeah. He was. They had sent him to Russia to do some kind of Ant Man mission. And, uh, yeah, you know. Instead, he came here to yell at them for stealing his pin particles. Yeah, he's like, this is too dangerous for anyone but me to have it. Yeah. I'm like Tony Stark. Right. I'm like your son? Yeah. Who's, <laughs> like, in high school right now? Uh-huh, yeah. Uh, and yeah, he he gets uh, mad at all of them. He punches the random dude in the face. And, right, there's a uh, shitty guy who's like, if only you defended Janet as much as you defend your pin particle. Yes. And he just punches the man. Cause he's, he does he's, just punch the man. Do you think this guy is a bad guy? Uh, you know, just maybe. <laughs> uh, th- th- there's something a little weird about this movie. I think they sell it just fine, but, like, I definitely think that, you know, back in 2008, the idea was that Iron Man was the first superhero, and this is, like, the second or third time now where they're like, I don't know, there were other ones, we just didn't tell you about them, don't worry about it. I mean, at the end of the first movie, they're like, you think you're the only superhero in the world? No, that's true. That's definitely true. Uh, and like yeah, I, said, it's the, I don't really having, have a problem with it. Having Peggy Carter here and Howard Stark, played by John Slattery, this is, this is good pulls for cameos. Yeah, yeah sure. Uh, I did completely forget that he was Howard Stark until like halfway through this scene. I was like, oh, right, yeah, we know who this guy is, right? Because I'm a dipshit. He calls him Stark by name, and that did not help me. Haley Atwell had a, had a nice string of uh, cameos in these movies. Mm-hmm, yeah. She had one Cap America 2. And then Age of Ultron, and then Ant-Man. Oh, yeah, she wasn't in... Wait, what was she in Age of Ultron? She was in Steve's Nightmare for five seconds. Oh, right, right, right. Yes. Yeah, but anyway, uh, they're mad, and then it cuts to the Marvel uh, title card, and we get, like, a needle drop of some song that I don't remember what it right. is. Hank Pym quits, and he says, as long as I am alive, nobody will ever get that formula. Mm-hmm. I think Howard uh, Howard says something about how, like, listen, he's not our enemy unless we make him one. And then it cuts to the, the thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then we cut to Scott Lang, played by Paul Rudd. He's getting, he's in a prison fight. Mm-hmm. But yeah. It's more like a goodbye ritual because he's getting out of prison. Right. It looks like he's in a prison fight with uh, a guy. And then it turns out that I guess they just punch each other in the face when they leave prison. Yeah. You know. Yeah. This is that one prison in San Francisco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a real one. Yeah, that's, yeah, San Quentin. San Quentin. Venom, uh, also set in San Francisco. Yeah, that's true, yes. But yeah, he gets out, uh, he meets, uh, is it Louis or Luis? I don't remember. Luis. Luis, uh, who was his cellmate for a while, and is here to pick him up in a, just the shittiest van. Hey, yeah, it's fine. Uh, I mean, it, it looks like it's gonna, like, they're... If they did a gag where, like, they start the van up and all the panels fell off of it, and it's just, like, they're sitting in a chair on top of a motor, that wouldn't be out of place. <laughs> it's, a, so, it's a very run-down van. <laughs> so, you know, they're driving along the highway, and Scott's like, hey, how are you, man? Yeah. How, how's, how's your girlfriend? And Lisa's like, oh, she left me. Yeah. And my mom died, and my dad got deported. Yeah, but he's, like, saying it all with a smile and, like, being a goofball in a way that's, like, you know, totally dissonant, so it's a funny joke. Yeah, he's he, Louis is a very affable guy. He's a very affable guy, which is, I I think Luis is probably one of the better parts of this movie. He's great. Michael Pena does a good job. Yeah, he does. Uh, 
but yeah, and they're talking about, you know, Luis has an idea for a uh, robbery to pull, and Paul Rudd's just like, oh, no thanks, man. I, I don't want to go back to the jail, so I'm not going to do crimes anymore. Luis is like, you're, 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 you're a convict? They don't really give jobs out to you guys, because our system is sort of designed for recidivism? Right, right, exactly. Is this where we get Scott's, like, backstory? Well, he like mentions that he, he has a master's. He they don't talk about what he did yet. Okay. You have to watch the uh, web series W H I H News to find that out. Oh boy, Oof. starring it, Christine Everhart from the first two Iron Man films. Cool. Anyway, uh, yeah, Scott says that you know, listen, he's got a master's degree in electrical engineering. He's gonna find a job, no problem. And then it smash cuts to him at Baskin Robbins. And he's at Baskin Robbins. Yep, he's at, he's just works at Baskin Robbins now. The customer comes up and says, I, I would like a your finest hamburger, please. Right, and just this elongated bit of this man, um, I guess just dissociating and not understanding that he's in a Baskin Robbins. Right, this, this man might uh, need some help. <laughs> this man might need an ambulance. Uh, but yeah, uh, Scott gets pulled into the manager's office. Where uh, he has learned that Scott was a thief. Baskin Robbins always finds out. Yeah, there's a weird. I, I think they only call it back once, but they, they there's a like several jokes about how Baskin Robbins is like the all-seeing eye. I would love to be in the business meeting where uh-huh. representatives from Marvel Studios and representatives oh, sure. from Baskin Robbins <laughs> negotiated how their company would be portrayed in this film. <laughs> yeah uh and this is where we get the backstory of oh scott lang yeah yeah he 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 robbed vistacorp which was a company that was ripping it was a security systems company that was ripping people off yeah i think we get the the fuller picture of it later where yeah he like worked for them and found out that they were stealing money from people and uh then he tried to blow the whistle on them and got fired, so he stole a whole bunch of money from them and redistributed it to all the people that they fraudulently took it from, and went to jail for three years as a result. Damn, three years? Yeah. That's pretty That's pretty good, actually. Yeah, that's not that bad. Yeah, yeah and that's a pretty good crime. Yeah, like, he stole a lot of money, it sounds like. I know that some people have some issues with the idea... That uh, Scott Lang is some sort of Robin Hood figure because they couldn't okay. make him to be like just a not Robin Hood criminal. Um, so I don't necessarily hate that he's a Robin Hood figure. I do, I do feel like they don't have a good idea for a character arc for Scott Lang in this movie because he's just kind of doing what people tell him to do. It's like, oh, you want this? Well, then you got to do this. Is like, oh well, guess I'll do that then. He's never like he doesn't have much in the way of like internal conflict ever. Right, and this doesn't, like, Scott Lang is a hero. Yeah, yeah, and everyone treats him like he's a piece of shit. Right. That he's just, they treat him like he's not a Robin Hood character. And, like, I would get it if there's drama of, like, hey, you know, great job helping all those people, but you kind of screwed over your daughter in the process. Like, that I would understand. But they don't even do that. They're just like, hey, you're a dirty criminal, and you shouldn't be allowed to talk to your daughter ever. Right, the the nature of Scott's crime is not really brought up in the way that anyone treats him. Yeah. I guess Hank Pym mentions it once, like, what you did really got my attention. And yeah, no, I, I, th- I know yeah, you're right. a good guy underneath. Right, I think Hank Pym kinda uh, looks at it that way. Yeah, I think that's why he picks 
Scott over any other thief because he knows that he's got a good heart. But other than that, like any of the family scenes, it's just he may as well have murdered a man, you know? Hey, Hank, if you've been watching Scott for years, why don't you bail him out? Yeah, well, I don't think you can get bailed out of prison, Crystal. I don't think that's how getting bailed out. Why don't you bribe the judge? (laughs) Could have bought him a lawyer. Could have bought him a lawyer. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, Hank Pym is not necessarily a good man in this movie, I would no, say. No, H- Hank Pym's uh, what, what we call a jerk. Yeah, he's a big jerky jerk. Uh, but yeah, the manager has a lot of respect for what Scott did, but fires him anyway. Okay. Yeah. I I mean, I guess I don't know. I feel like most places, like, I don't know, I guess. I've, I've never tried to get a job as a convicted criminal. I probably shouldn't speak out of turn. Uh, but yeah, uh, he's got, he's got no job now and he's all sad, but he was, he was given one free mango blast smoothie on the way out the door. How generous. How generous. Uh, and he goes up to the, like, crappy apartment that he's sharing with Luis, where Luis has got some friends that are some just really well-drawn characters. Just a lot of depth to these guys. Luke, could you name and describe the personalities of each of the Warriors 3? (laughs) And then these guys. Okay, well, the Warriors 3, you got, um... The oh boy, I don't think I remember any of their names, Crystal. You okay, the, just start with descriptions. Maybe it'll come to you. You got the the fat guy who looks like Lord of the Rings dwarf who likes to eat, named um, Greg. <laughs> I don't know. Starts with a V. Ven Ven Val Val Vol, Vol? Volus. Vol, That's a Mass Effect race. Volst Volstein Volstorg Volstock. Volsta Volstog. Volsta you got it all by yourself. Great. Oh. Okay, only two more. <laughs> then you got the guy who's kind of a dandy, I guess, but there's really no character at all to him. F F Faraliel. Fan Fan Fandros. Fandrew Fandrew. Fandra Fandromeda. Fandra Fandral. Fan you got it. Great. Okay, last one, buddy. And then you got the guy whose character is that he has an Asian actor. And is that Hogan? It's Hogan. You got it hey, in one. Got that guy. These guys, you got a guy who's Russian and also a hacker. Right. Do you know his primary personality trait? He's a hacker. No, it's one more thing. Oh, he I, hates Romani people. Oh, right. I forgot about that. Wow. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then you have the guy who um is a stereotypical black guy. Dave. Yeah. Then that's it, really. He he described himself as a cat burglar. He's not uh, a robber, he's a burglar. Well, that, that's Scott Lang that does that. And then oh. Dave calls him a pussy. Oh, I see. Oh, I got it mixed up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, haha. Uh-huh. They're uh they they are not characters. You don't like Kurt and You Dave? already forgot his name. <laughs> No, not really. Okay. I like Luis. I do not like either of them. Uh, But yeah, they're there because Luis is still trying to uh, convince Scott to do this job, which they would be, you know, they they would work on also. I tell you what, the general structure of this film is is that of a heist movie. Sure. The heist aspect... Not very well done. Yeah, I would say they kind of uh, point vaguely towards a heist movie and hope that's enough to make people excited about a, oh wow, a Marvel heist movie, how novel. It's no uh, Ocean's Eleven. No, it's not. There's about a 10 to 15 minute stretch where it kind of looks like Ocean's Eleven if you squint. 
but yeah, uh, Scott wants nothing to do with doing crimes because he's a he's a good guy and he's not going to do no more crimes because he's got to be there for his daughter. Uh, and then is this where we go to his daughter's birthday party or we do we go to Pym Tech first? We go to Pym Tech first because they mentioned yeah. that the guy they're going to rob is some sort of retired millionaire. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's meant to imply that he's going to rob Hank Henry Pym. Right, yeah, yeah. They're trying to sell him on the idea that, like, oh, this is another Robin Hood-esque thing, because it's just some rich asshole. And yeah. then we get to see this rich asshole. Yeah, he drives into the Pym Tower, and he kind of smiles at the security guard. So the security like, yeah. guard recognizes him, which suggests that this security guard has been a security guard for a long time. Uh, you know. Yeah. Everybody gets paid okay. Hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully. San Francisco. Given the yeah, it's San Francisco and we know who like runs this company and he kind of sucks. So, but uh yeah, he goes in and the security guard inside asks for an ID, like a, you know, normal thing to do, and Hank Pym just gestures to the giant painting of him on the wall. Yeah, they really hammer this thing home. <laughs> yeah. That this is kind of like episode 1 of Iron Fist. Uh-huh. Where they spend, like, 30 minutes of Danny walking into the Rand building the same way. Uh-huh. He's like, I'm Danny Rand. And people are like, oh, Danny Rand? Wait, no, you're not. He died. But but I am Danny Rand. But he died. Okay, but I didn't, and I'm him. Yeah. But no, he died. You can't be him. But I am him. <laughs> but he died. <laughs> How can you be him if he died? Iron Fist sounds like a real great TV show. <laughs> the Meachams are good. All right. But yeah, he runs into uh, his daughter, um, Hope. Hope, who does not, who just calls him b- by name and not dad. Good morning, Hank. Yeah, and uh, then we meet Mister Cross. What's his first name? Daryl. Darren. Darren. <sighs> he's from. He's the guy who played Peter Russo on House of Cards. All right. Okay. Uh, he also apparently played Ernest Hemingway in Midnight in Paris. Sure, whatever. Um, this guy is not good. Yeah, he's fine. He's fine. Like the rest of this movie, he's fine. I remember you saying this was one of the movies that had a good villain. Yeah, I take that back. <laughs> yeah, I never thought it. Like, yeah, he's not He's not great, but I yeah. think he, he, he does some acting and playing someone who's kind of like, uh... Kind of had his brain scrambled by the pin particles. Yeah, I, I will say, I, I think the problem with this villain is more on the writing than on him, but he yeah. just, he's not very, uh, he, he's not, like, electric in the way you want a villain to be. He's not, like, exciting to watch do villainy. Yeah, I mean, Corey Stoll is okay with what he's given. He's not given a lot. Yeah, I like yeah. the concept of spinning off, are you familiar with Yellow Jacket from the comics? I'm really not, no. So Hank Pym was Ant-Man. Right. And one of the things with Hank Pym is that he was never really, like, good at being a superhero. Right, because he was more of a scientist, right? Right, it was something he just kind of stumbled through. And at a certain point, he had, like, a mental breakdown. Okay. And went away for a while, and then came away as Yellow Jacket, which is supposed to be his more, like, unhinged, badass persona. Oh, I see, okay. But that also, like, did bad stuff and sucked. Yeah. So, when I say, like, hmm... Yellow Jacket's the villain in this movie. Maybe they'll, they'll, like, have different aspects of Hank Pym in this movie. Sure. But no, it's just it's just an evil Ant-Man. Yeah, basically. This, like, watching this movie, like, it, between his performance and just the way he looks, he is, like, 
if you had a, a spectrum and on one extreme you had Kevin Spacey and on the other extreme you had the comedian Paul Shear, he's like right in the middle of those two. And that's a weird, that's a weird place to be. Yeah. He, he's like, can, he's, cause he's trying to do the Kevin Spacey thing of being like outwardly polite, but like clearly a monster and like kind of like intimidating without being overtly like threatening in a way. You know what I mean? Right. That, like that the same character that Kevin Spacey played in like eight different movies. Uh yeah, and he's 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 like going for that but he's not as good at it. I don't know. He's no guy from Venom. <laughs> yeah. The guy from Venom. Man, the guy from Venom would be way better. He's basically the same character. He's no uh the Mandarin. Uh no, he's not. Yeah. Like the Mandarin is fun to watch. He's no Jeff Bridges. Right, yeah, he doesn't offer any pizza to anybody. He's no Justin Hammer. No, certainly not. Uh, what other business villains are there? Mm, uh, he, 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 I'd say he's better than Robert Redford. Uh, hmm, he does, hmm. That milk, Robert Redford though. had nothing in that fucking movie. He had that milk. Yeah, that's, that's not even, you know what, I'm not gonna credit that idea to Robert Redford. Oh, I am, I don't think they wrote in the script that he pours a milliliter of milk. I think that was the only creative choice he got to make. Okay. <laughs> anyway, yeah, he's, like, happy to see Hank, and he's, like, you know, just like, oh, man, sure sucks that your daughter hates you. Don't worry about it, though, bro, it's fine. Anyway, let's get on with this tour. No, he he was he was invited here, because Darren is supposed to be, like, his protege. Right. And also the crappy S.H.I.E.L.D. guy from the beginning is here. Yeah, 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 and Hank kind of makes a crack about how he punched him last time he saw him. Uh, but, yeah, they go into a room where a lot of scientists are working. There's a little, like, model of the building for no reason in the middle of the room. They don't do anything with this model. What do you mean? It's just here. Like, that that model of the building, what do they do with it? I... Like, this is a laboratory, and then they just have a model in here. Well, it's supposed to be, they're renaming it from PIM technology to cross technology. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay, yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, yeah, and they kind of, you're right, they have kind of a long, shared look about that. And then, uh, Darren pulls up a bunch of, like, archive video footage of communists getting beaten up, and he zooms way in on all of them, and there's, like, a little speck on the film that doesn't usually just look like a speck on the film, but sometimes it looks like a man. Hmm. Hmm. Weird. Weird. And he starts talking about when he took over this company for Dr. Pym. He started researching a particle that could change the distance between atoms while increasing density and strength. Yes. Why this revolutionary idea remained buried beneath the dust and cobwebs of Hank's research, I couldn't tell you. Just imagine a soldier the size of an insect, the ultimate secret weapon, an Ant-Man. Yeah, I feel like they... My impression is that this movie felt like it needed to do a lot of work to justify why being like, a quarter of an inch tall is a good superpower to have, and they need to, like, showcase, I, like, why that's, like, a good, like, a useful thing. I mean... Because I, I feel like just the, the like, immediate response is like, well, that's, like, you're just gonna get, like, stepped on, buddy. That's no good. And I, like, I think they do justify it just fine, but yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't know that was, like, a controversial power. I, that seems I, extremely I, useful. I don't know, I feel like a lot of people look at that the way they look at, like, Aquaman, like, oh, you can talk to fish, huh, cool. I don't know. One of the good scenes in Justice League is when, like, you know, like, Batman and all the other Justice Leaguers are kind of planning their next move. Uh-huh. 
and he sort of sidles up to Aquaman, who's who's looking off doing his own thing. It's like, uh, you know, I need you to to send out a, a message. You know, like, uh, uh, I'm sorry, do you talk to fish? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a good joke. Yeah. But yeah, that's what they called you, right, Hank? Ant Man. Yeah. I silly, I know. Propaganda. Tales to astonish. Right. Which is the name of a, of a comic yeah. book. Sure is. And he, he asks Hank to tell everyone what he would say when he asked him if it was true. And what was what's this little cute line that he says? It's oh, it's tall tales. <laughs> yeah, because Ant Man's small. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then Hank, or not Hank, uh, Darren makes them all move to a different room to show them a different video clip of things getting shrunk. Right. He figured out by himself how to shrink inorganic matter. Yeah. So now yeah. he's thinking, what if you shrink a human? Yes. Notably, has no video of that happening, but he's talking about it, and he shows them a tiny little suit. What is uh, this? A suit for ants? <laughs> it is, in fact. Well, you know. What is the pin uh, particle? Uh, it's a particle that allows atoms to become closer together so that something can become, you know, take up less volume while being the same mass. But why is it, like, a particle? I don't know. I don't know enough about quantum physics to answer that question. Okay, whatever. And neither does this movie. I'm gonna, listen, we're gonna get into it. I, listen, it's fine if you just want to say, oh, it shrinks stuff. Whatever. But the fact that they say, oh, it, like, pushes the atoms together, there are moments in this movie that make no fucking sense if that's how it works. And it doesn't actually matter in any significant way other than it bothered me as a nitpicker. Right. But we'll, we'll get to it. So he shows a, a big video showing all the cool stuff an Ant-Man could do. Yes. Except this suit isn't called the Ant-Man suit, it's called the Yellow Jacket suit. Yeah, yeah, because it's got lasers on it. And yeah, it can it can fly around, shoot little lasers, it can like scan documents, uh, and it can murder people. He just has a video of a guy getting murdered. Yeah, and even though this seems like it would in fact be very useful... Yeah. For for spy shit and military stuff. Yeah, yeah. People are like, oh, so it's a suit, huh? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And Darren Cross is like, come on. Like, no, it's magic shrinking technology. That's the important part. Did you did you miss the part where he got tiny? Frank's Frank, this guy Frank. Yeah. He's like, imagine what our enemies could do with this tech. What's gonna happen when the enemies steal the keys? Yeah, like... That's my Frank Woods impression. <laughs> Great. That's like, why do you... Okay, but, like, you're here to look at a new weapon being demonstrated. Is that what you say about all of them? Because, like, that's... Yeah, that's... Like, yeah, I guess. But why are you developing weapons if that's your concern? I don't know. Seems like a... I don't know. But, yeah, uh... Darren gets real creepy and close on him, puts a hand on his shoulder, and he does not like that. And you're just like, oh, that's such a good point you raised. We gotta talk about that another time, maybe. I really value your opinion. Thank you for coming, Frank. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, everyone starts to kind of disperse, and Hank is like, no, God, you can't. Don't. You can't do this, buddy. Bad. And Darren just like, yeah, yeah, tough shit. Eat my butt. And the bad shield man starts talking up to Darren's like, listen, I'll pay you 20% over your selling price if you sell to me first. Yeah. And he's just like, well, yeah, cool, done. So then Pim, Hank Pim, goes up to Hope. And she's like, listen, he hasn't actually figured out how to shrink a human yet. Just give me the Ant-Man suit and I can stop this. We can have this done today, Dad. Seriously. This could have been done so many months ago. Then Hank's like, uh, but you're like, 
Like a woman? Yeah. You're a woman, so no. Uh, yeah, the, the actual point of this scene is to reveal that even though they were super cold earlier, it's an act, and actually they're working together. Yeah. Uh, but Hank assures her that instead of her, who is talented and good at things, he's found a different person to do this. Right, instead of her, who has the complete cross of the complete trust of Darren Cross. Yeah. And can easily infiltrate and steal his stuff. Yeah. We need to trust this other guy who we don't know. Right, who we don't, yeah. Uh, so it cuts to Scott Lang coming to his daughter's birthday party. She is super happy to see him. Um, and, uh, then her, is, is this her stepdad? Are they, like, married or? I guess they don't really say for sure. Yeah, it's it's her stepdad. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, and he's immediately like, oh, we didn't invite your dad because he's not welcome here. D- brood? Yeah, like, this guy and Scott's ex-wife are cartoonishly evil at this point. Part, I would say like I get that I like they they bag on him for not paying any child support and sure okay sure but like it's his daughter's birthday party also he like just got out of prison it's been like a week maybe give him a minute <laughs> yeah he probably hasn't even gotten his Baskin Robbins check right and also the thing he went to prison for was helping thousands of people so like can you not can you just let him be at his daughter's birthday party? Right. Like, they're caricatures in a way that, like, makes this whole thing just feel, like, hollow. Because this isn't a real problem. This Cassie is just... Lang is good. Yeah, she's, she's you know, a cute little girl. Scott got her uh, an ugly bunny doll, and she loves it. Because it's yeah, so yeah. ugly. Yeah, that's cute. Uh, Yeah, it's just, yeah, this is, like... I don't know. This I feel like no one that wrote this movie has ever like actually talked to divorced people before. Maybe that's my ignorance talking. I don't know. This it, just seems absurd. They could say it to be a little more reasonable. Yeah. The like, guy I, is a cop and threatens to arrest him. Yeah. Like they can be like shitty to him, but the idea that they don't want him to see his daughter on her birthday just seems ridiculous. Right. Uh but yeah, his wife comes out. Um and they go out to the porch and have a conversation about how, you know, he understands that he screwed up his family by doing that very noble crime for people. Right. He's he's like, you married a cop, huh? And she's like, at least he's not a crook. Yeah, well. And then Scott says, I've changed. Yeah, like he assures her he's, he's not going to do any more crimes that help thousands of people. Uh, he's just going to focus on his family. And he just wants to be there for his daughter, so please, for the love of God, can he at least say hi to her on her birthdays? And she's like, well, get a job and pay some child support and we'll see, I guess. Uh, Also, I haven't seen her in three years? Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. And then, like, she says, like, oh, Scott, you're her hero. You need to become the hero that she already thinks you are. Like, what? By getting (laughs) an apartment. All the stuff with Scott's family... I think more than anything else in the movie feels like the victim of a lot of rewrites from different creative voices because none of it makes any fucking sense. Right. In the comics, it was, he was like a single father and Cassie Uh had a serious illness. Okay. So that's why he was doing crimes and to steal the, and tried to steal the Ant-Man suit. It's like none of the, like none of the secondary characters in this like subplot have logical motivations and they don't say many logical lines that like make sense for a person to say. And then Scott's just like, we, he's already like good. He's like, he's gone through all the changes he needs to and just everyone needs to just cut him some fucking slack. 
And I don't know, there's like no like drama to latch onto with any of this. So we as Scott drives away, we cut to a remake of that one scene from Robocop. Uh yeah, pretty much, yeah, huh. Where yeah. Darren is watching Frank piss. Yes. It's like, I'm sorry you have such concerns about the suit, Frank. Yeah. And, and Frank's yeah, like, they... well, you know, we can't just do whatever we want because there's laws. Right. Are there laws against this? Yeah, I d- like, it's a weapon he wants to sell for espionage purposes to the government. I don't think there's any laws there. Like, no, that's not, what laws is he worried about? And Darren Cross is like, what laws? Of man? The laws of nature transcend the laws of man. And I've transcended the laws of nature. <laughs> Frank's like, what out- the fuck are you talking about? And then he pulls out a shrink gun and shrinks... Uh, Frank, but, like, because they don't have the, like, shrinking working right yet, it, like, turns him inside out and do a gross blob on the floor. Okay. Yeah. Um, why? That's a great question. Uh Uh-huh. What what benefit does it have for this... I don't even know what this job is. Is he, like, a liaison for the government or something? Uh, who? Frank? Yeah. I guess? Well, I, I think the idea is just that, uh... Darren is unhinged because he's been exposed to too much shrink radiation and he's a little crazy. So someone slightly damaged his pride and now he wants to murder him. Okay. I that that's what I took away from it. Um no, I thought you meant why doesn't the shrinking work on organic matter because like it's not like that's magically different from like an engine block that they shrank just fine. That didn't get turned inside out. I mean, an animal is a lot more complex than a block. He just flush Frank down the toilet. <laughs> he does just flush Frank down the just toilet. Just wipes him up. Goodbye, Frank. Yeah. It's again, it's one of those things, it's not actually a problem, but they they explain like 10% of the shrinking technology in a way that makes me then ask a million questions that they don't bother answering because they're not important. I kind of wish they didn't even talk about pushing the atoms closer together. It's just shrinking magic. Whatever. Who cares? So Hope and Cross are at a business date. Yeah. And, uh, so this is something I'm realizing as we're talking through these scenes. All the dialogue in this movie is like, okay, this is the scene where, like, this dramatic beat has to happen, and this is the type of line that needs to be said, but we don't actually know how to, like, construct it. You just, oh, you say something kind of, like... Like, going back to the bathroom scene, it's like, well, he needs to say something kind of eerie, and then Frank needs to say, like, something about how it's a bad idea, but we don't actually know how any of the details work on that, and then Darren has to say something that, like, shows that he's a crazy guy and then kills him. But, like, none of the actual lines are good lines that follow logically one to the next, you know what I mean? Right, and this whole next scene is Cross just, like, explaining his motivation. Right, right. Instead of, like, showing it. But then, like, t- to my point, though, like, then he's like, today during my morning meditation, I had the thought, gratitude can be forgiveness. That's the word salad. That's nothing. You know what I mean? I spent years carrying around my anger for Hank Pym. I devoted my genius to him. I could have worked anywhere, but I chose my mentor poorly. You didn't even have a choice. He never believed in you. It's a shame what we had to do, but he forced us to do it, didn't he? But we shouldn't what? be angry. We should be grateful. Because his failures as a mentor, as a father, forced us to spread our wings. Like, I'm thinking about it now. I think you could watch this movie on mute with no subtitles. 
and get just as much out of it. And not because it's like an uh, excellent piece of visual filmmaking, but because it uses such bad use of dialogue. Right. And it doesn't actually add to the movie at all. Uh, but yeah, they're they're talking about how much Hank sucks, and they need to just move past him and be cool. And uh, Hope says that he deserves everything coming his way, and he's a dipshit, so he doesn't understand the double meaning there. Uh, then it so cuts Scott to- yeah, Scott's trying to do the math for the. Let, let me pull up the sheet here. Yeah, I've got it right in front of me here. He's got a just. It's like the back of a cardboard box or something that he's writing on, and he's got like first month's rent twenty one hundred dollars, last month's rent twenty one hundred dollars. Wow. That's a lot. It is San Francisco. Yeah, that's much money dollars for that yeah. apartment. Deposit six hundred dollars. Income seventy two. Taxes ten. Expenses thirty. Child support twenty. 377 days till I can see Cassie. That's too many days. That's a lot of days to not let him, like, so much as say hi to his daughter that he loves. Is that his share after splitting the rent? I, yeah, I don't Jesus know. Jesus Christ. That's so, that's so much. And where's, like, the income 72? Like, you got fired. You don't have an income. Wait, 72 what? It doesn't say. It's just the number 72. Because 72 this is a really brief dollars insert. per hour? That's a lot. Maybe it's 70. Maybe he's assuming he'll find a job where he gets paid $72,000 a year. Taxes 10. Yeah. Expenses 30. <laughs> Child support 20. Um... This was a brief <laughs> insert shot, and you're only really supposed to look at the bottom where it says how many days till he can see his daughter. They didn't bother to make this look like sensible math. <laughs> He didn't do the math. The point is, he's needs a lot of money, and he's sad about it, because his wife isn't letting him see his daughter. So, now he's ready to go do that crime Louise wants him to do. Yeah, because he needs he, cash. Yeah, he needs cash. So, he, he comes in, and, yeah, tells Louise to tell him about this job. This apartment is split between four people. Is it? I kind of got the sense that um, Dave and... The other guy were just kind of Luis's friends that hung out there all the time. Maybe. San Francisco rent. <laughs> does, this, does this have bedrooms? Is this a studio? Uh, I think it has bedrooms because it's just got... Uh, we, we don't see enough of the apartment to say, I guess. We just see sort of this kitchen area and the, the front room. Yeah, studios do run for multiple thousands of dollars. That's... Yeah, don't live in San Francisco if you can avoid it. It seems like a bad place to live. I'm sure I'm uh, I don't know. Listen, let's just move on. So Scott wants to know about that tip for the yeah. big job. And we get our cool Luis funny Luis sequence. Yeah, we get kind of this fun sequence where he's telling this like way too complicated story about how he heard about this. And like it's a nested like, oh, I heard from this person who had this story where they heard from this person. And like every time it jumps, like the main character of the next level of the story is like dubbed over with Luis's voice. And it's, it's a funny gag. Hold on, I'm uh, trying to see what game they're playing. Oh. Because <laughs> uh, those are Xbox One controllers. Yeah, I don't think you ever see the uh, the TV, though. No. Yeah. And the sound effects are just generic beep boops, so, yeah. But Louise does own an Xbox One. Yep, yep, yep. This is before, this is before they the price drop. Yeah, he is a burglar, though, so, I mean, you know, maybe he burgled it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it, do, do we have the, any sense that Louise has a job other than burgling? Uh, no, I think he's just a professional crime man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so... It's I, just, I think... you know, if, if they really want to go in on the visual storytelling, right. the kind of details that only Robert Redford could possibly think up, <laughs> they would have Louise playing an Xbox 360. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, um, 
I, I think the the basic once you like strip away all the details in the story, what it is is that uh, Hank Pym's cleaning woman told some guy at a party that the guy she works for has some huge safe in his basement, and Luis's. Uh, is it his cousin or his friend? I don't remember. Uh, like, overheard that and talked to Luis about it, because he knows Luis does burglaries, and maybe he might want to burgle that safe. Okay. I think that's it. Uh, there's, there is a good bit, I think, I think the joke in this one is that Luis mentions that he was having, like, a rosé, and he, like, has a whole diatribe about how, you know, that, normally he would go for a red wine, but, you know, that kind of thing. Right, he's, he goes to wine tasting. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, they're at a wine tasting. That's what it is. He goes, and, you know, it was mainly reds, and you know I don't like reds, man. There was a rosé that saved the day. Yeah. Like, both of them, like, the second sequence does the same thing. I like the idea that Luis is, like, very refined taste. Right. It's a good joke. And, you know, his cousin Ernesto at the wine tasting tells him about this girl Emily that we used to kick it with. That was actually the first pair of boobs that he ever touched. So Emily's working as a, as a housekeeper, and she's dating this dude, Carlos, who's a shot caller from across the bay. So she tells Carlos about this guy that she's cleaning for, who's like a big shot retired CEO. And Carlos and Ernesto were on the same softball team. So Carlos tells his cousin Ernesto about this guy who has a big ass safe in the basement. So then Ernesto tells Louise, because he knows Louise is a very good thief. Yeah, right. So, yeah, then they, they break it down from this, hey, this old guy is going to be out of the house for a week, and he's got a big safe. Now, if I'm Scott, and I am do not want to do crime, but am desperate for money, I don't know if, hey, I heard from somebody, like, fourth hand that there's a big safe when we don't know what's in it, would be like, you know what I mean? Like, that doesn't seem like the, the one to bite for. Ah, uh, you know, he's rich, and he's going to be away. Yeah, what more sure. do you need? That's fair, I guess. Uh, yeah, so then we get a little montage of them prepping to do this crime. They're buying, like, lockpicking tools and fixing up the van, yeah, stealing license plates. Jamming the line so no one can make a distress call. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so they're, they're, they're doing crime prep. The, you know, much like the other San Francisco superhero, Eddie Brock. Yeah. Uh, Scott Lang has also been trained by the ancient brotherhood of Hasha Sheen. <laughs> and can do parkour to jump over Hank Pym's fence. He does a very good jump over Hank Pym's fence. There's a scene during the montage where he's, like, soldering a circuit board, and I don't know what that part's for. Yeah, well... They're just trying to show that he's good at electronics, I guess. Yeah, he's an electrical engineer. Yeah. He does some parkour to get up to the window, and he puts some kind of electronic thing over some sort of other thing. I guess that's what he was doing. Oh, okay, to, to yeah, To kill yeah, the yeah. alarm, I think. Right, okay, okay, no, you're right, you're right, I forgot that bit. Uh, so yeah, he gets in the house and finds a set of keys with a tank keychain, and, uh, yeah, goes down, unlocks a door that has another door immediately behind it, uh, and this one has a fingerprint scanner, which seems like they're screwed. But, but Scott, Scott Lang, he's good at being thief. Scott's watched a lot of MacGyver. Uh, so he, like, gets some tape and, like, uses it to pull a fingerprint off of a doorknob in the house. And then uses some, like, crazy glue to, like, make a mold of the fingerprint, basically. And then yeah. slaps that on the scanner, and I guess that works. Sure, yeah, sure, that's I don't. Fine. I don't know enough about any of this to tell you that it wouldn't work. That's a fine movie thing to do. Yeah, for, for movie logic, it's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's good at crime. Yeah, he, he does good crime. Uh, so he gets down into the basement, and uh, then there's just a big old safe, 
And uh, he's like, ah, oh, shit, this is a very heavy-duty safe. It's made out of the same steel as the Titanic. And they're like, oh, well, that sounds bad. He's like, yeah, yeah, but it's weak to cold, so it's fine. Just like the Titanic was. Yeah, it's weak to... They should make steel type weak to ice type. <laughs> Instead of the other way around. Yeah, yeah. In, in Pokemon, ice is weak to steel. So Scott's big plan, he like... He, he, like, he fr- freezes the gears using some sort of MacGyver thing. He, like, makes... He, like, whips up liquid nitrogen in the basement and then pours that into the lock to freeze the gears and then, like, make the metal expand and explode. He put water in the locking mechanism and froze it with nitrogen. Ice expands. Metal doesn't. Yeah. He waits and it, it, it busts open. Yep, the door just kind of pops open. And he goes in there and is frustrated because there is no money or valuables inside, just some dumb old superhero suit. It's a bust. Yeah. He works so hard. Yeah. He steals it anyway, because fuck it. Sure, why not? Yeah, at this point. Worth something. But there's just been an ant with a camera watching him the whole time. Yes. (laughs) It just zooms in on a little ant with a little tiny camera on its back. And then we see that Hank Pym has been watching the whole time from some sort of secret bunker. Yeah, yeah. So, mm-hmm. what's up? <laughs> what you good got? Scene. We cut to a, a lamb being guided through right. Cross Enterprises. <laughs> it's just like this is a cute little lamb it's bleeding. It's adorable little lamb. Um. <laughs> so Darren. So yeah, Cross and Hope are looking at the lamb being led to the ex- experiment chamber. Hope's like, I, I thought we were using mice. And Cross right. is like, what's the difference? Yeah, who cares? It's all dumb animals. <laughs> Which is a really good way to show that he's evil. Yeah. I just love that. <laughs> well, how do we establish quick that Darren Cross is evil? We got a lot of ground to cover. I know, let's just have him murder an adorable little lamb on screen. But, like, <laughs> mice are practically better, too. They're, like, easier right. to yeah, transport. The o- <laughs> yeah, that's the other thing, too. Like, it wouldn't be, like, it. I think people are more desensitized to watching mice die in science experiments, but it's not, like, functionally better. Right. But it's just the image of, like, this... It's it's the fact that it's a lamb and not a sheep. <laughs> that he's, like, murdering a baby. Right. You can make mice a lot quicker and more of them. Yeah, yeah. There's, like, a whole industry of, of breeding, you know, mice for experiments. Right. But no, he kills his poor little lamb. Yeah. As, as you zoom into the lamb's eyes as it's about to be shrunk. Like, he had to work to get this lamb. It took more effort than <laughs> He went out of his life. way to kill this lamb. <laughs> yeah. He seems excited when the lamb gets gooped. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, right, but- he seems, like, excited, and then the scientist guy who's down there looks up at him. He's like, oh, right, I'm supposed to be disappointed by this. Uh, right, ugh. right. There's part of me that's, like... It's not, like, you know, a problem that it doesn't do this, but I almost wish that, like, instead of just lasers, the yellow jacket was just equipped with the imperfect uh, particles and it was just using that as its weapon, you know? Because really, he could sell the bad shrinking particles as, like, hey, instant murder with very little cleanup. Speaking of cleanup, another issue is that you have to clean up all this lamb goo. <laughs> there's, I mean, there's not that much of it, you know, it's only a tissue's worth. It'd be less if it was a mice. That's true. It would just be a little droplet. So he's bringing him the next lamb. He's got a whole bunch of lambs just <laughs> waiting in a room. Yeah, yeah. 
He's just like, yeah, bring in the next one with no... I I guess we're to presume they're tweaking the formula somehow before doing the next one, but it definitely feels like... He's just like, well, that one didn't work. Let's try again. Well, you don't tweak the formula after one. You have to do like, you know... You have to confirm that it doesn't work. That, that wasn't a fluke lamb murder. <laughs> we gotta murder at least 50 lambs before we can be sure. Well, yes. If the only thing you're testing is, does it murder or not? Yeah. So Scott's uh, in the bathroom. Yes. Right. And I guess he's just like, you know what? My life's in shambles. Why not put on this suit? Fuck it. As he finds the little tube of pin particles. He's like, this is weird. Yeah, yeah. So then he hooks up his phone to the suit and starts like, what is he doing on his phone here? Wait, what is he doing on his phone? I didn't remember the phone part. Uh... Oh, I think he's like trying to like hack it to make it turn on or something. I he's guess He's doing so. some kind of electrical engineering hacking. Electrical engineering. Shit. Then he puts on the suit, yeah. which fits perfectly. Well, yeah, of course. Well, Absolutely. Because Hank left it there for him. Right, yeah. Oh, you know you know what? Yeah, I was going to be like, oh yeah, sure, whatever. It's a movie. Of course it fits. But no, you're right. Hank had this suit tailored to fit him. Right, that's why it was like laying there perfectly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So then uh, Louise and the boys walk in and they're like, Scotty, what's up, man? And Scott's like embarrassed, I guess, that he's dressed up in the suit. I guess, yeah. So he steps so he... in the bathtub and closes the shower curtain. Yeah. And then he looks down and sees that there's two buttons on the gloves of the suit. And one of them doesn't seem like it's doing anything. And then he pushes the other one and he gets all tiny. <gasps> now he's tiny, boy. It's he's some kind all of... tiny in the bathtub. Yeah. And yeah. Like I said before, like it's it's very hard to like sell with, like, making something look right at, like, these gigantic scales. Some of these shots do a better job than others. You know, it's it's a hard thing to do. They put a one and a half inch on the little bathtub plug, so you have a sense of scale. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's visual storytelling. Yep, yep, yep. So then, Scott hears the voice of God. Yeah. It he says... Hears, here's Michael Douglas yelling at him. Have you seen the Netflix film Animal World? I have not. I recommend it. It is All a right. Chinese remake of the manga Kaiji. Okay. And Michael Douglas is in it. Nice. All like, right. looking exactly the same and acting exactly the same as in his role as Hank Pym. Yeah. So I just like to think that that's what Hank Pym has been to. Right. This it's, this whole bit where, like, they're talking to each other is, like, I mean, obviously because Michael Douglas isn't in the scene directly and you can't see uh, Paul Rudd's mouth. But it's all very obviously ADR in a way that, like, Paul Rudd does not, like, visibly react when he hears Michael Douglas's voice. Right. He's just like, his voice is like, oh god, who said that? But Ant-Man is just kind of standing there looking around in shock. The world sure seems different from down here, doesn't it, Scott? <laughs> yeah. Michael Douglas has a lot, of, a lot of vocal fry in his voice. Yes, he does. It's a trial by fire, Scott, or in this case... Water. Yeah, because uh, uh, Luis comes in and turns the faucet on, and water starts just pushing down. And uh, yeah, Scott's trying to outrun it, but he can't because it's water. Yeah, and he gets flung out of the bathtub. Yeah, and uh, then uh, it's off screen, but he does see Luis get naked. Yeah, Luis does throw his pants to the ground. And yeah. just knocks Scott into a little little crack in the bathroom tile. Yeah. And he did get to see Luis's dog. He sure did. <laughs> so, okay. Uh-huh. Directly underneath Luis's apartment. <laughs> uh-huh, yeah. Go on. Is, is like, a, a disco club? Yeah, uh-huh. I mean, maybe this is, like, a house party, I guess. 
Right. But Scott l- lands onto a, a spinning turntable. Yeah. So, okay. I, I-, I want to point it out. Again, it's not really a problem because shut up, nerd. The they the idea is all your atoms get pushed together so you your volume is less, but they talk later about how your mass is the same, so like when you punch someone, it's like a bullet, right? Right. That's what Hope says. And like you see when Scott falls out of the tub, he like cracks the tile because he's so dense. But he does fall fifth like, you know, ten feet onto this record and it's fine. Like they're right. very inconsistent with just how dense he's supposed to be. Sure. And it's, you know, like I said, it's not actually a problem. It's just the the nitpicker in me is like, hey, hold on. But it doesn't matter. So Scott falls out of this really cool house party. Yeah. It's just well, a regular apartment below. Well, no. Well, yeah, the, we need to talk about this house party for a second here because he lands on the floor and everyone's dancing. And all right, Crystal, you, you brought it up before, but I need to listen. Someone that worked on this movie has been to some of those same websites as me. Okay. Because, boy, are there sure a lot of shots of Scott, uh, terrified for his life, dodging women in, like, platform sandal heels as they stomp around. Yeah, I guess there is, huh? There's there's a whole sequence of him trying to dodge women in glamorous high heels. Yeah, there are a lot of very close-up shots of women's feet. And let me tell you, a lot of people into that one. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. What about being sucked up by a vacuum cleaner? Uh, you know, that shows up, but it's not, I have not seen it in a a situation where someone's into it. It's just kind of like, oh no, it's a wacky shrinking thing. But yeah, he he falls down into someone else's apartment, gets vacuumed up, and then has to burst out of the bag. Then he uh, gets behind the wall where there's a rat that's gonna eat him. Yes. But the rat, it falls into a mousetrap, and Scott gets flung out of the window into a dude's car. Right, he lands on top of a dude's car, and there's just a little, like, of, like, pressure, and then he turns back to normal, finally. And this is a cameo of the first man who ever played Ant-Man on screen. Oh, really? Garrett Morris. Yes. Yeah. All right. And an SNL skit. That's a fun cameo. It's a a good poll. Yeah. Uh, And Scott's just like, well, that was the worst thing ever, and uh, packs up the suit to go return it. Um... Meanwhile, Michael Douglas is just like, hey, you did a pretty good job. I'll talk to you later. And But Scott's, Scott's not having that. So he hops the fence again and puts the suit away and goes to leave, and the police are waiting for him. Ah, nuggets. He explains that he wasn't stealing anything. He was just returning something he stole. Right, and then realizes that that's not a good thing to say. Uh, so yeah, he's in jail. Uh, his wife's new husband is just, like, lecturing him from the other side of the bars. Right, even though it's it's kind of his fault. Like, listen, if you just let me see my daughter, I could have I could have done the Baskin Robbins equivalent job. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, like I, I have a little more sympathy for him in this scene because it's like, really, you just got out of prison and you're already doing this again. But he's just—they really want you to hate this man in a way that I—he just does not seem like a real person. Right. Uh, but then his partner shows up and tells Scott that his lawyer is here. And, it's the uh, same guy who is talking to him. It is. It's Michael Douglas. And there's ants covering the camera. <laughs> yup. <laughs> and no one seems to have a problem with that. Uh, but they have a conversation about the suit and how, you know, Michael Douglas wants him to help. And he reveals that he knows way too much about him. And he's like, hey, you know, your your ex-wife was right about you. You suck. 
But if you come help me do my thing, then maybe you won't suck so much. Right, there's a, a quick flashback of Hank Pym giving money to the housekeeper? So oh, she can yeah, tell yeah, yeah. Louise's cousin? Right, he set up the whole thing to get... But let me see how many... This is a big stack of hundreds here. Yeah, he gives her a this lot of like, money. This is... That, at least ten thousand dollars. Yeah, I would. I would say it seems like about ten thousand dollars. That's many good. dollars. Hey, you know what? Good for her. Good for her. I'm glad. Glad someone got something out of this. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. So he's like, ah, oh, second chances don't come around all that much, buddy. You Can better... you do that in a Michael Douglas voice? Second chances don't come around all that much. The next time you see one, I recommend you study it a little more closely. This this sounds a lot like Eddie Brock started doing some cardio and is able to <laughs> breathe a little easier. <laughs> so he's not always out of breath. Uh, but yeah, he basically tells him, go back to your cell. You're going to get some instructions. If you don't want to go to prison again, you should probably follow them. And uh, then we cut to... Cassie, who has a whole bunch of stuffed animals, but the one she likes is the ugly one her dad got her. She's like, is my daddy a bad man? I heard yeah. some grown-ups say he's bad. Yeah, and his, her mom is just like, no, he's not. He's just, listen, it's, don't, listen, don't worry about it. Just go to sleep. Just gets confused sometimes. Yeah, he just gets confused sometimes and thinks that thousands of people deserve to get their money back. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Like, all, all of the family stuff is predicated on the assumption that he did a bad crime, and he didn't. Like, it's, there's no, again, there's room to say, like, hey, yeah, that was a nice thing you did, but you kind of sacrificed your family in the, like, pursuit of it. But that's not the tack they take with it. They take the tack that he's just a shithead who shouldn't have done that because it was crimes. Was, is he supposed to have been a criminal before the one good crime? Maybe, but they never really, like, give you that impression. Like, because he worked at that company. In the Ant-Man tie-in comic, Ant-Man, Scott Lang, Small Time, they explain that before he got his job at Vistacorp, he would often steal from steal from criminals and give the money to their victims. Okay, sure. Okay. All right, so again, like, noble crimes. And, and, and right, again, like, that doesn't mean you could write a character who was like, hey... I'm mad that you put, you know, doing the right thing by strangers above doing the right thing by your family. That's a reasonable position to hold for a person and creates, like, tension and drama. But this is just nonsense. This is just, well, it was crimes and I'm mad about crimes. I married a cop because of how mad about crimes I am. Why would you break the law, Scott? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, Scott is just sulking in a cell and then a bunch of ants bring in the shrunken version of the suit. And they start counting down. Yeah, they start making a countdown out of their bodies. See, ants are a useful power. He yeah. gets the suit on real quick. Yeah, he gets it on in five seconds. <laughs> I can do that. Yeah. Well, I, later on, Yellow Jacket's going to get his suit on even faster. So, you know, whatever. Uh, but yeah, he shrinks just as uh, the cop is showing up and just disappears out of the cell. This bit's weird because it's shot like a chase scene, but no one knows where he is. It's just kind of, you know, lots of cop cars driving around. They're not actually chasing him, but it's like the same framing. You know what I mean? Right. So uh, Hank Pym calls down the flying ant for Scott to come out of here. And then yeah. there's a nice uh, reference to Neon Genesis Evangelion. Wait, where, in what way? 
Uh, Hank Pym oh. says, just get on the damn ant, Scott. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> what? Get in, the, get in the ant, Scott. <laughs> Scott, get in the... You know that get in the robot, Shinji? From the anime? <laughs> yeah, I'm aware. Does, have uh, you ever it, seen it before? I have. Uh, we did a podcast about it on AudioEntropy.com. How could you not remember this iconic line? <laughs> I d- I've I never seen the show, and I know that line. <laughs> I hate you so much. Is, uh, is it, damn Ant Scott. Is Ant-Man and the Wasp going to reveal that Ant to me was actually Scott Lang's mom all along? Maybe. All right, cool. All right. Uh, yeah, so he escapes on Antony, who's not named that yet. He's like number 247 or whatever. Because uh, uh, Hank Pam is just like, hey, dipshit, they're ants. They don't understand names. Uh, but, yeah, he, like, gets flown too high, and it's... it's Wait, hold on, hold on. Okay. I have a question about Eva, a show I've never seen. Okay, yeah, yeah. Is that an actual line from the show, or is that just a meme? Uh, I think the actual line is just, get in the robot. Okay, okay. I was confused here by this Know Your Meme page. Okay, wait, does it not... Now now you got me trying to remember. (laughs) It does not reference the, the, the show at all. It says the earliest instance was... On 4chan in 2008. I'm pretty sure the earliest instance was on Neon Genesis Evangelion. Okay, but are you sure about that? Well, like I said, he doesn't cuss. I think he just says get in the robot, but now I'm now I'm second guessing that. I, I think he does, though. Listen, we... Get, hey, if you want the answer hey. to this question, go wa- go listen to Let Me Tell You About Evangelion on AudioEntropy.com. <sighs> anyway. <laughs> Scott passes out on the bug, and then wakes up in Hank Pym's house. Hmm? Yep. What? And ho- What's that? What? I said Scott passes out on the bug and wakes up in Hank Pym's house. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Sorry, I'm still trying to find out if this is a real line or not. Oh my god. It Maybe does not Twitter. matter. It, it's like a play it again, Sam thing. I don't know if he says exactly that line, but he expresses that sentiment. This is so deeply unimportant. <laughs> I have to know. You I don't, though. Here's a think piece uh, from Manga.Tokyo. Why Shinji can't just get in the robot. Depression in Neon Genesis Evangelion. Right, so... Uh-huh. You give up? Scott, Scott passes out. Great. And wakes up in Hank Pym's house. Yes, that's what I said. And Hope has been watching him sleep. Yeah, and she's just, like, texting and not listening to him while he asks questions. Right, as if he has wronged her in some way. Yeah. Which they ha- they have not met before. Right. Nor has he done anything to her. No. They just felt like, oh, this character well, needs needs to be like a, a lady with attitude. You know, she's mad at her dad and is displacing that onto Scott, I guess. Whatever. I uh, guess. The, yeah, you know. The floor is covered in, like, bullet ants, so he cannot get out of the bed without permission. And uh, then she's like, anyway, you have permission, so let's go. Right, she keeps giving the scientific name of the ants, and then the common name of the ants, and then the unique features of the ants. She knows a lot about ants. Yeah, she's she's really just kind of an exposition machine. Uh, but yeah, he goes down to talk to uh, Hank and Hope at uh, their like breakfast table. Uh, you know, they just talk about they need him to help them out because is is this where he explains what's going on with the the job? Yeah. And yeah. he's, he offered, he, so my favorite part of this movie yeah. is when Hank uses the ants to, like, p- put sugar in the coffee. It's good, yeah. And then Hope just, like, rolls her eyes at him, like, oh, dad. <laughs> it's, it's, just, it's just this weird little ant family. Yeah. Yeah, and, like, 
Scott just says, like, oh, yeah, I'd love some sugar. And then sees some ants pushing sugar cubes towards him. He's like, oh, you know what? Never mind. And they just turn around and push him back. It's a good little visual joke. Yeah, so Hank explains that they need Scott for a job. They're going to steal the yellow jacket from 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 Pym Enterprises. Yeah, yeah. And he asks uh, if Scott has any questions. Right. And he's like, y- yeah, it's like many. Who are you? Who is she? What the hell's going on? And can I go back to jail now? <coughs> yeah. Uh, Hank does also show off how he controls the ants where he's got like a weird earpiece thing that he like taps. It's, you know, yeah, that's all. Right, electromagnetic uh, waves to stimulate their olfactory nerve center. Right. Uh, and then Hank brings him down into the bunker he was watching him from um, and talks about how he used to be Ant-Man and did a bunch of cool superhero stuff. Right, 20 years ago, he created a formula that altered atomic relative distance. Yeah. And Scott Lang's like, what's that? I don't know science, even though I have right. a master's degree in electrical engineering. <laughs> you know, a good point. <laughs> And then he's like, well, atomic relative distance means I learned how to change the distance between atoms. Right. <laughs> you know, the relative distance between atoms, I changed them. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, but, listen, uh, it was dangerous, so I hit it. Yeah. But then Darren Cross uh, took over the company, and now he's going to do it. Yeah, he figured it out because he sucks, and I don't like him. Uh, yeah, and they're, they're talking about how, yes, basically the yellow jacket suit is gonna make the world terrible, because shrinking is bad. And, uh, Scott's just like, yeah, that sounds bad, why don't we call, like, the 50 superheroes we've got in this cinematic universe now? Yeah, call the Avengers. Yeah, and, uh, Hank's just like, no, fuck that, this is an Ant-Man movie. Uh, I think his actual reason is, yeah, he says, like, he does not want to give this technology to anyone named Stark. He doesn't like Tony Stark. Yeah. Because he didn't like Howard Stark. Yeah. That makes and they sense. do bring up here that Darren Cross has figured out the particles, but he hasn't figured out a helmet that isn't going to mess up his brain chemistry. Right. Yeah. This is where that line comes from. Where Hank's like, yeah, no, this stuff is super bad to expose yourself to. And everyone at that company is exposing themselves to it. Scott's like, okay, what do you want from me? Yeah. And Hank Pym's like, I can give you a redemption. I can help you be with your daughter again. Are you ready to redeem yourself? Yeah. And Scott, Scott Lang just, says, yeah. my days of breaking into places and stealing shit are done. What do you need me to do? I need you to break into a place and steal some shit. <laughs> good, good enunciation there. <laughs> on the, on the sh- shit. Shit. Um, what, here's another part. Like, they never really, I guess he's just going to pay him money. They don't ever really explain how he's going to get him back with his daughter. Yeah, I guess he's gonna pay him. He's just like, uh, he just treats it like, hey, I'm God and I will give you a blessing if you do this holy quest for me. Uh, but yeah, I guess it's just money. Sure, yeah. Hank Pym says, you know, this is not some cute technology like the Iron Man suit. This could change the texture of reality. Besides, the Avengers are probably too busy dropping cities out of the sky. Yeah, they are do- They are busy doing that, that's true. Yeah, they did that two months ago. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and it cuts back to Scott's estranged family, where they figure out that the lawyer was Hank Pym, and does anything else happen in this scene? Nope, that's all. We're just seeing that he's he's on to him. Uh, we go back to Pym Tech, where Darren Cross has another lamb! Uh, this time they're in, like, a weird little cage? Yeah? Yeah, and he shoots he a shrink the lamb! <laughs> yeah, and, uh, they've successfully shrink the lamb, finally. He's got a little tiny... Lamb in a little tiny glass cage, and he flicks it. To me. 
Oh, he's poor Liv gets scared. <laughs> scared by the flick. Uh, like falls yeah. on its hind legs and gets back up. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh. <laughs> so yeah, now things are bad because he figured out the, the technology. Finally did it. Uh, Hank is explaining to Scott that that dude he punched is named Mitchell Carson, and he's a bad man who likes to help the government topple other governments. I don't, is he still, because he was, he worked at S.H.I.E.L.D., but now S.H.I.E.L.D.'s gone. So I guess he's doing his own stuff now. Yeah, he's just, uh, uh, yeah, they don't really say what. They just say now he's helping topple governments or something. So what we need to do is break into, break into the lab. And destroy all the data. Uh, yes, that is the, yeah, that's what he wants to do. Uh, yeah, and then they've got a whole bunch of plans, and Hope is like, hey, this is stupid. I know how to do this. I could just go do it. This could have been done already. Dad. Dad. <laughs> and then Hank's like, no, and she's like, okay. Yeah, and yeah, she Why did they out. have this What's dialogue? Up? Why did they have uh, this dialogue? I guess just to show that they've got conflict, you know? But like, and- she's right. Yes! She knows the facility inside and out. She knows our cross thinks. She knows this mission better than anybody here. Right. Yeah, she's obviously the person that should be doing this, but, well... And even the- Scott's like, yeah, she's obviously, like, wh- why Why am I here? Right. Uh, yeah, and, ba- you know, what it is is that we learn later on that uh, Hank lost his wife because she was also a shrinky superhero, and he's just not willing to lose another family member. You think I don't want to? I can't. I spent years wearing it. It took a toll on me. You're our only option. Before Hope lost her mother, she used to look at me like I was the greatest man in the world. Where's this There's this twang coming from, Crystal? And now she looks at me and it's just disappointment. It's too late for me, but not for you. This is your chance. The chance to earn that look in your daughter's eyes. To become the hero that she already thinks you are. It's not about saving our world. It's about saving theirs. <laughs> Why are you... <laughs> and Scott says, Damn, that was a good speech. Yeah. Scott, I need you to be the Ant-Man. <laughs> uh, anyway, I don't know what to do with what you've just put on my lap here. Anyway, uh, again... Every all the dialogue in this movie is just kind of placeholder dialogue that doesn't really click together well. It's just kind of oh, uh, here's my emotional. And now it's time for me to do an emotional speech that motivates you. So here you go. Right, but like they had this whole conversation to try to justify why Scott is here doing this, but then they right. didn't. Yeah, exactly. Scott, like Scott also asked, like, why don't you just do this remotely from the ants? Right. Oh, the ants need a leader, Scott. They're just ants. But like, they that- need a leader that's. With them, I guess? What? Like, I'm thinking through the heist. What did Scott need to do during that? He jumped down the hole so he could grab the suit. Yeah, but, like, we saw that the ants can, like, make a rope out of their bodies. Couldn't they have done that? Right. Yeah, I'm not convinced the ants couldn't just snag the suit. Also, eh, hmm. I feel like, well, I guess you do need to steal the suit and destroy the data. Yeah, I was gonna say maybe just destroy the data, but yeah. You Get to- ants in the computers. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> hey, Luke. Yeah. Then the computers have a lot of bugs. God. Ugh. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, Scott's motivated now because that was the point of the speech. And now we get a training montage where he's going to become the Ant-Man. 
Yeah, they, they're having him jump through the door, and Hank's giving this speech about, listen, you need to be fast, you need to be precise, you need to be agile, and I hope yeah. it just has the most forlorn look in her face, because she knows she could just fucking do this. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. This guy. <laughs> But the movie won't let her, and she won't let herself. Right, yeah, so, you know, Scott smushes into the door, because he's dumb shit. Uh, and then you, we also see that, like, Hope is training him to fight, and, uh, you know, she knows how to fight, because, again, she's basically already a superhero. Right. But she's not allowed to be. And she explains to Scott, like, you know, when you're small, you're gonna have the same mass, but over a lower surface area. Right. So your 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 kinetic energy is gonna be compressed. Yeah. So if you punch too hard, you're gonna be like a bullet, and you'll kill someone. Yeah, yeah. So punch a specific amount of force. That's what we're doing here, to find that specific amount. I guess so, yeah. Does she say that? I, I guess that's what they're doing, yeah. You have to know how to punch. Right. Not too hard. Not too soft. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, she does say that. You're right. Uh, yeah, so he, she, like, puts her hands up for him to punch one of her hands to, like, show her what he's got. And she's like, oh, no, that sucked. Here, here. And then and he then... puts up his hands and she just punches him in the face. Hank walks in to explain Hope's, like, character arc. Uh-huh. He's like, yeah, yeah, Hope learned martial arts at a difficult time after she lost her mother in the plane crash. Yeah. I was like, you know, it's bad enough you won't tell me how she died. You can just stop with that lie that I know is a lie. Yeah. So, sure. Okay. Uh, it cuts to Scott doing some electrical engineering on the suit because he thinks he can improve the regulator. And uh, Hank is just like, no, God, do not touch the regulator. Uh, because if you shrink too small, you'll shrink into the realm of the subatomic and be lost forever for reasons. It's some real heavy-handed foreshadowing. Yeah, also, okay, this is my biggest nitpick of the science of this movie, which, again, I understand is not actually important. If you shrink by pushing the atoms together, it is impossible to become subatomic, right? Well, if you if you push them really, really together, real good. The the minimum size you could possibly shrink to would be the mass, like the 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 volume of all of your atoms. You would still be millions of times the size of one atom. Probably, right, way more than millions. It's you know, I don't know math, but probably lots of zeros there. Yeah. Well, you know, whatever. It's it's yeah, the microverse. Right. In the comics, the microverse is you become so small that you fall through. A hole in reality? Sure. Whatever. That's fine. That's like... a different universe. Weird comic book shit. I'm fine with that. It's just... Again, don't say you're pushing the atoms together, because it's not what's happening, and you're dumb. And it makes me mad for no good reason. And I sound like a fucking CinemaSins douchebag right now, and I hate it. <sighs> anyway, they're training with ants. He's gotta go meet all the ants down in the backyard. There's lightning ants. Fire ants. He gets scared by the ants, and he goes big inside the ant hole. Yeah, that happens a few times where he's just, like, bursting out of the ground. Uh, They explain that the pod that he keeps the yellow jacket in has uh, only one tube that you can enter through, but it's protected by a laser grid. Kind of curious why it's got even the one tube, but, you know, I didn't make it. Yeah, why does it have that tube? It's a great question! (laughs) Seems like zero tubes is the best way to keep something safe. So he's going to use the the crazy ants to blow the servers, retrieve yeah. the zoo, and exit the vaults before the backup power comes back on. Right. Uh, and then we get a bit where he's got to learn how to use the earpiece thing to control the ants. And, like, his training exercise is, like, putting the sugar in the tea, like earlier. 
uh, he's fighting with Hope, and he's getting better at fighting. He lands a hit, and he taunts her. And then she does the cool Scarlett Johansson thing where she, like, breaks his neck with her thighs. Oh, yeah, she does do that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then yeah, after- Paul, it's okay. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, they got to do that, I guess. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> so then Paul Rudd's nursing his injuries with his shirt off, and then Hope's like, ah, oh, jeez. Oh, fuck, that's a lot of abs. Damn Man, it, this you're guy's hot. hot. <laughs> Shit, this guy's Paul Rudd, dang it. So then uh, they do some more foreshadowing with the, the discs. Sure, yeah, Hank, Which they uh, don't use until the end? Yeah, I feel like he needs to be a little more liberal with his use of these discs. Right, they're being like, when are they going to use these discs? It's like, oh, I guess now. Yeah, they're like, he makes, he can throw one disc to make something that it hits shrink and one to make something grow. And, yeah, uh, he he meets some more ants, some carpenter ants. He's trying to get the sugar in the tea, but he's just really bad at it. And Hope is just like, God, I hate all of you. Here, give me the stupid thing. And she, like, has all the ants do, like, a ballet on the lamp. Like, she's very good at it. Right, she explains, you have to commit, you have to mean it. No shortcuts, no lies. Yeah. And again, they keep having more scenes where it establishes firmly that Hope can just go and do this whenever she wants. Right, like, just steal the suit and go take care of it. Like, you could just show up during this montage and slam the yellow jacket suit on the table. Like, they're done, movie over. Uh, but Luke, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Hope has a darkness in her heart, mm-hmm. which leads her to subconsciously y- use the ants to block out the lamp in the room. I guess so. Yeah, that's I guess what they're getting at. <laughs> right, because the room, <laughs> the room gets darker. <laughs> right, because the ants are blocking out the lamp. Uh-huh. And then Hank says, "Like hope," and then the room lightens up again. Right, and she's like, "Oh, I never should have come to you about this." And, uh, oh, yeah, because you didn't touch on that part, where they did have, like, a real bad falling out, and Hope did, like, vote to kick him off the board of directors of the company. Yes. But then she's like, oh, oh, no, Darren's a bad guy, this was a mistake. Right. Yeah. So, so then Hope storms off to her, to her car. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah. you know, Scott goes in to check on her. Right. And she's like, listen, you you could die in this mission, and, like, you have a daughter, do you, do you understand this? You know what you're getting into? Yeah. She's like, listen, the only reason I'm not the main character in this movie is because people are, like, 1% more familiar with Ant-Man than they are the Wasp, and it's dumb. And he's just like, yeah, it is kind of dumb. But listen, I'm expendable to your dad. He doesn't give a shit if I die. That's the only reason he won't let you do it, because he doesn't want you to get hurt. And she's like, oh, I guess I didn't think about that obvious explanation. Ah, uh, all right. Still mad about it. Could still solve this problem in a few minutes. But I guess you can do it, because you're hot and you got abs. Now that they've made this connection, yeah, Scott is able to, to speak to the ants properly. Yes. Well, yeah, because she stopped being mad at him and starts coaching him on how to do it. Right. She also explains that uh, when her mom died, she didn't see Hank for two weeks. And then yeah. he immediately sent her off to boarding school. Yeah, Hank's a real piece of shit. Hank's not a good guy. Right. Yeah, uh... Scott, like, tries to defend him. He's like, well, he was in mourning. And she's like, yeah, me too, and I was seven years old. And I was just abandoned for two weeks. Uh, but, yeah, so now he can do the ants, and he's he's getting pretty good at doing stuff. He's he's becoming pretty Ant-Man-y. And yeah. this is where we get the backstory of what happened to Janet Van Dyne. That's her name, right? Yeah. Did make that up? Okay, yeah. The, is there a setup for this scene? Uh, they walk back in from the car, and Hank's just like, hey, I guess it's time for me to give you your mom's backstory. Okay. 
Your mother convinced me to let her join me on my missions. They called her the Wasp. She was born to it. And there's not a day that goes by that I don't regret having said yes. It was 1987. Separatists had hijacked a Soviet missile silo in Kursk and launched an ICBM at the United States. The only way to the internal mechanics was through solid titanium. Yeah. I knew I had to shrink between the molecules to disarm the missile, but my regulator had sustained too much damage. Your mother, she didn't hesitate. She turned off her regulator and went subatomic to deactivate the bomb. She was gone. Your mom died a hero, and I spent the next ten years trying to learn all I could about the quantum realm. The quantum realm. Yep, that's that's what he says, alright. Because, yeah, he was trying to, trying to bring her back. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, we, we learned an important fact here, which is that it's impossible to get through titanium when you're tiny. Right, you have to go between the molecules. You gotta go between the molecules if you're dealing with titanium. Which means you have to go subatomic. Right, which aren't the same thing. Right, he's, he's kind of like it, it, poetry, it rhymes, because Scott, right. he, he sort of sacrificed his freedom to be a hero to the people who got ripped off. Wait, how is that rhyme with Janet sacrificing herself to... Oh, just because they both sacrificed themselves? Yeah. I guess. The movie doesn't really draw that parallel. Right. Uh, But yeah, so now they're sad and they're crying and they're having a moment. And because this is a funny Marvel movie, Scott's like, Ha, huh, you're having a moment. That's emotional and good. Oh, I ruined the moment. Aw, oh, dang it. This sucks. What do you mean? Which part sucks? That they just, like, sandbag their little moment? They do. Yeah, uh-huh. Right, just, well, just again. Have, just, just like everybody loves Raymond. <laughs> where they wouldn't let Ray and Deborah just have their moment. Right. Well, again, it's it's supposed to be a funny one, Crystal, so you can't have too many emotions. Okay. Uh, But, yeah, so they, uh, you know, he's getting good at Ant-Manning. He's, he's, he's pretty good at it. But here's so, the thing. They need a new... They need some other gizmo. So, you know, Hank Pym explains that the reason... He's not letting Hope do the things because she doesn't want he doesn't want her to die like Janet did. Right. Yeah. Then Hope just accepts that, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. That makes it fine. Like it's th- again, I, like that is a reasonable motivation for Hank. I'm not for him. Sure. I'm okay. I'm not digging the movie on that level, but like that's again, this movie wouldn't happen if Hope was just like, yeah, fuck off. I'm just doing it. Right. I'm I'm gonna be like like a superhero. Yeah. Like they get. So close to botching all of this because she doesn't just take care of the problem. And, like, even in the role she actually has, which is being, like, the person on the ground distracting Cross. Yeah. She is still putting herself in danger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's not not like she's completely safe. Right, yeah. She's very not safe. He's an unhinged weirdo who murders people for criticizing him. Right, right. So, like, if you're gonna put her in harm's way anyway, are you just concerned about her dying in the same way? Is that the problem? I guess. Uh, it's, yeah. Update, Ugh. Ashley responded to my tweet and clarifies that getting the robot Shinji was never actually uttered in the show. Okay, I didn't joke. think it was, but I didn't remember for sure. Like I said, he definitely tells Shinji to get in a robot, but, you know, doesn't use those exact words. Uh, but... Anyway, yeah, Hank needs some gizmo to do some kind of technobabble thing, and he built it back when he was with S.H.I.E.L.D., so it is just sitting in an old Stark Industries warehouse now. So, as his, like, final test, Ant-Man has to go steal the gizmo. So that'll be a fun little outing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's over in upstate New York. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
So, you know, Man. Scott gets on a plane. Uh-huh. It's going to mini parachute down. Yeah, he has a whole army of ants with him. They fly oh, down. Luke. Yeah, oh, what crystal? It's not a Stark facility anymore. What? It's the Avengers HQ. Oh, dang, it's that new Avengers HQ from the end of Ultron. Oh, dang it. Ah, oh, beans. Anyway, they tell uh, Ant-Man to, like, leave. And he's just like, no, 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 I can do this. It's fine. Yeah, Don't worry I'm about like a it. superhero? And Hank's like, he's going to lose the suit. Yeah. And Hope says, he's going to lose his life. Right. And Hank just looks at her like, oh, I mean, I guess. So Sam Wilson, the Falcon. Yeah, uh-huh. The good good all-American soldier. Right, drinks, drinks all the OJ's. orange juice. <laughs> <laughs> Second only carton. to Eddie Brock and how much orange juice he'll drink from the bottle. <laughs> right. That I guess that's who you'd pull if you need an Avenger cameo. If you need an Avenger cameo and don't want to make it like a big deal one, just kind of, uh, who's kind of like an okay Avenger? It's the Falcon. It's the Falcon. Um, yeah, so he manages to find Ant-Man because he's got zoom goggles, and they have a fight, and Ant-Man mostly seems to just be annoying him more than, like, seriously hurting him. Right. Uh, and they just kind of have a have a scuffle that goes on a little too long, I think. Uh, you know, you gotta use the cameo. I guess. Uh, and he gets into the warehouse and gets the thing in the end. I don't like this part of the movie. It Why just, not? It feels indulgent. It's just like, hey, let's let's do a cameo. It's a connected universe. Let's do it. When like this movie needs so much more character development to see this much screen time given over to like a completely inconsequential fight scene that you could cut from the movie and not lose a single thing annoys me. But you you gotta establish that Ant Man can play with with the big boys. You don't though, because he doesn't fight any of the big boys this time. I don't know. I think it's fine. I it's fine in and of itself. It just un, like if this I don't know. It, it was just like really this is what you're wasting your time on, guys. Come on. It's a very ABC Family movie thing to do. <laughs> yeah, it's just very much like just like worry about making a good Ant Man movie more than making like a fun interconnected movie universe. I don't know. Like like because you could just have replaced this entire sequence. With one shot in that montage of Hank making that gizmo in the basement, and this whole thing is pointless, you know? It's like, there's no real character advancement, there's nothing. It's just here to be fun to watch. And it's it's not unfun to watch, but it's just, eh. Like, do do a fun action bit that ties into the movie. I don't know, I, I've said my piece. Okay, I like it. Fair enough, you know. Anyway, yeah, then Sam is like, don't tell Captain America that I goofed it up, please. Ah, jeez. I really goofed it up. He lost to some guy that isn't even part of the superhero community. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But yeah, so they're mad at him, but then they see that he successfully stole the gizmo, and they're happy with him now, because he's he's ready to do a heist. Yeah. But But then, uh, is this when Darren comes in? Right, yeah, they hear something in the other room, and Darren just just walked in, because that's alright. That's an okay thing to do. Why not? Yeah, he's got like a leather jacket on, and uh, they don't want the, him to know, A, that Scott's here, but B, that, you know, Hope is here, because the whole idea is that, you know, they're playing like they're not working together. Uh, some ants, like, roll up some heist plans that are laid out on the table. Yeah, and they have a whole speech about how he wants Hank to be there when he does this thing that Hank morally opposes. And Hank's just like, yeah, sure, you got it, buddy. All those years ago, you picked me. What did you see? I saw myself. (laughs) Then why did you push me away? Because I saw too much of myself. (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's... So Hope now realizes that Cross knows... He's trying to right. bait Hank. 
Right, but the other two, being dipshits, are like, no, it's fine, he didn't figure it out. He didn't see your car out front, don't worry about it, it's fine. Uh, so he calls her immediately, and she lies about not being there, and he gives a whole little speech about how he's still mad that Hank doesn't love him like a son. Uh, and they all believe him that he didn't know that Hope was there. Even though he obviously clearly knows. Right, again, Hope is the only smart person in this movie. Right, so Hope tells the gang that, like, listen, he's tripling security, full body scanners in all entrances, closing exterior vents. Yeah. So, so maybe give me the suit. Yeah, maybe, maybe, like, we need to go do it tonight? Maybe? Why don't they just go do it tonight? Well, so... <laughs> what? No, just the... Uh, <laughs> huh? You know. She's a girl. Well, even that, like, at this point, Scott's trained. Why doesn't he just go do it tonight? Well... <laughs> Because they gotta expand the team. Right, yeah, they need to, they'll have to sneak in through the water main, and uh, to do that, they'll need some more people, because someone's gonna have to get into the building control room to turn down the water pressure. Uh, Someone else to hack into power supply and kill the laser grid, and then the getaway guy. Yeah. But didn't they need to hack the laser grid already? Well, who was taking care of that before now? Well, you know, (laughs) ants. I guess. Uh, but yeah, so he is going to rope in his three burglar buddies into this now. And they're, you know, Hank's just like, no, they're dumb. And Scott's like, yeah, but, you know, they'll do it. Uh, Hank does call them wombats, which is a weird insult. Yeah, the three wombats. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they're, you know, insistent that, oh yeah, no, we can do this. No problem, buddy. Don't worry. It's fine. Um, and then Scott shows them the suit and Luis freaks out about it. He says he says a bad line. Uh, which line? Yeah, the this is the work of. Uh, oh, this is when this is when Kurt talks about. Yes, yeah, uh huh. Uses a slur that uh don't want to say. <laughs> yeah, uh huh. Because like you mentioned at the top, Kurt is racist against Romani people. Uh huh. Uh huh. So that's fun. So there's a smash cut to them all sleeping on the couch, and Hope says. Uh, she gave them all his Xanax and then explained the science of the suit to them. Right. So that they wouldn't think it was wizardry or sorcery. Well, no, I think it was just to make them fall asleep because she wanted them to be asleep. Hence the drugging them. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Again, this movie just like it knows knows the shape of each dramatic beat it has to hit, but then it just fills. It's like a mad lib of a movie. Why do people like this movie? Ah, uh, I don't know, because it's, it's Paul Rudd's charming. That's the main thing, I think. There's not even that much dad stuff. No, there's really not that much dad stuff. Um, Well, no, because it's all... Listen, the the better version of this movie is it's all about how Hank Pym is a failed father, and he's, tr- like... It, it's like the relationship between him as a failed father and Scott Lang as a failing father who's trying to write the course. Right. But he's only a failing father because... His daughter's stepdad is the worst man who's ever lived. Right. Like, he's not doing wrong by his daughter. He's just struggling to get by because the world punished him for doing a good thing. Right. In every interaction with them, he is a loving, caring father. Right. He doesn't need to learn how to be a good dad. He just needs to be allowed to be a good dad. Yeah. So he sneaks off into the night using the Ant-Man suit to go watch Cassie sleep. Yeah. And smooshes her on the forehead. He might die. Yeah. Trying yeah. to get payments, child support payments. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so they run through their new expanded plan. Uh, it kind of does the Ocean's Eleven thing where it cuts back and forth between the plan happening and the, like, planning of the plan. 
uh, where, yeah, Luis is going to be a security guard, uh, you know, Kurt's gonna, like, hack into things and, like, help them from the van. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, yeah, Louis, yeah, Luis sneaks in, and he's got a security guard uniform, he's just pretending to be security guard. Uh, and then things immediately go bad, because he goes to turn off the water main, and the head of security is in there, and he's just like, hey, who the hell are you? And Luis punches him out. As you do. As you do, you know. And, uh, yeah, he starts turning down the water pressure so that Ant-Man and his ants can get in through the pipes. There's some, you know, fun. They're going through a pipe. He's yeah, like, the heist stuff isn't that good. No, it's not. It's boring. Like, it's not boring, but it's just, it's fine. It's just like, you know, hey, yeah, they're they're heisting. They, they, they've watched a heist movie before. Uh, and they're playing, you know, upbeat, jazzy music to let you know it's a heist. Ant-Man's, like, riding on a raft made out of ants, which is kind of cool, you know? And then they all kind of form up into a tower so that he can climb up out of the pipe. It's, you know, it's, it's kind of neat looking. It's fine. It's okay, you know? Luis punches out another guy and drags him into the room. Yeah. So there's two guys tied up in the room there now, right? Yeah, I know where you're going with this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know where I'm going with this? I think I do. Okay. I guess we'll see for sure. Just, just keep in the back of your minds. Right, two yeah. two people. Yeah. Tied up in that room right now. Like, like one more than one person. One more than one person. (laughs) One plus one. Right. Uh, but yeah, they, they break in between Luis punching this guy and him getting bitten up by bullet ants. Uh, yeah, he gets knocked out and, uh, they get to work. Like, I think that's to hack the security system. Right. Um, and, uh, the cops show up to grab Hank because they know he's wrapped up in Scott Lang. See, you know, Okay. Again, I don't know a lot about police work, and I know that, you know, there's problems there. Is it not a conflict of interest for a cop to be in charge of, like, hunting down the ex-husband of his wife? Ah, you know. (laughs) I guess so, yeah. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, so they're they're interrogating Hank, uh, and to get him in the building, uh, Dave steals their car. And, uh, like, turns the sirens on to make them have to chase him so that Hank can get inside. And Luis has upgraded to, like, the fancy security guard with, like, a suit and tie. He stole the clothes off that guy he punched out. Luis is just playing Hitman and having a blast. Right. And, uh, yeah, Hope finishes hacking in and immediately runs into Darren, who it seems like, oh, the jig is up, but then he's just like, how do I look? Oh, and it's, it's fine. Uh, so Hank heads on in and meets up with Darren and they, he leads him into the yellow jacket room and other things keep happening. The, the bad shield guy shows up. Right, and reveals that he's actually Hydra. Yeah, I don't think we learned that quite yet, but yeah, very soon we'll learn he's actually a Hydra agent. And that's why he's a bad guy. Because if you're a bad guy, you're an explicit Nazi. No one else is ever evil. Right. No one else is ever wrong. So, Scott jumps down the hole as Kurt is being arrested by security guards or cops. It's cops, right? Uh, yes? But the program he needs to run executes just in time for Scott. Oh yeah, oh yeah, it's cops because it's uh, it's the ex, it's the stepdad. Right. Yeah. So the lasers turn off just in time. Yeah. And, and Scott he... is gonna grab the suit, but Luke. Yep. It goes away at the last minute. Goes away at the last second. He had a little disappearance hatch. Maybe that. <laughs> yeah. So he could foil schemes. Right. Oh, okay. You know what? We talked before. I know why this has the one tube into it because the whole point 
much like Hank Pym, you know, Darren is his protege and there is too much of him in there because he meant for Hank to try to steal the suit so that he could ah. get the Ant-Man suit. The whole thing oh. was set up from the start. They just yeah. don't really emphasize that. Yeah, that, right. that, that's why that tube is there. That's why that tube is there. So Cross yeah. grabs the suit and he explains that he knows Scott Lang's here to steal the suit. Yeah. He knew all along. Right, he's known everything because, you know, Hank Pym's not that good at this. Now he has both the yellow jacket suit and the Ant-Man suit. Yeah. And I, I think he kind of gestures towards the idea that, like, even though it works, the yellow jacket suit still isn't as good as the original one. Uh, yeah, so they, you know, now he's got the Ant-Man suit and, uh... Right, he's here? he's going to sell people the yellow jacket suit, but not the particle. He's keeping right. that for himself. So yeah, they have to come yeah. to him for fuel. Yes. Which, yeah, sure. That makes sense. Kind of. He's in the gas we're doing that. Yeah. Um, the Hydra guys are going to kill Hank, and Hope is just like, please, you're better than this, Darren. And Darren's like, yeah, yeah, I am. I'm going to shoot him. But there's some ants clogging the, the hammer, so the gun can't fire. Yeah, that, I mean, that's that's what happens, right? In this film, yeah. Ant-Man 2015. Right. <laughs> okay. Uh, how does Hope Ant-Man... is like... Yeah, go ahead. Hope's like, drop your gun. Yeah. Because she has a gun, too. Right, yeah, she steals a gun from one of the guys. And then uh, Cross explains, like, you know, I came to the house the other night to kill him. But you were there, and I wasn't ready to kill you. Right, but now so, I am. Uh, Ant-Man, like, throws one of the growy discs at the, like, glass of the cell to, like, pop it off, right? Right. And, yeah, breaks out and starts fighting dudes. Uh, Hank gets shot in, like, the shoulder, which isn't the best place to get shot, but I guess that's it's not movie. the worst either. In the movie, that's basically nothing. Right, if it's not your heart or your head, you're fine. You may as well scrape your knee. Uh... But oh, I guess this is where the ants clog the hammer. Whatever, who cares? <laughs> yeah, Hope uses her ants to get ants all over, all over Cross. Yeah, he's just like ah, gross, and drops the gun instead of shooting Hope. Yeah, the Hydra guy like steals a container of the Cross particles. Right. Um, does he just get away with those? Yeah, I was gonna ask what happens to that guy. I think he might just get away with them. That's just set up for you know a future movie. Uh, yeah, Ant-Man 3, because it wasn't Ant-Man 2. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, they kind of lock up the Yellow Jacket room and put guards on it, but Ant-Man's a superhero now, and he does some cool superhero stuff and beats up the guards. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's a cool, there's, there's like a bit where Ant-Man runs into that diorama of the building and, you know, it's like it's it's scaled to him. So he's just doing, you know, running through this fake city street while people are just, like, blasting it up with machine gun fire. Right. And then Luis shows up and punches them out. So how many how many guys are in this room now, Luke? Uh, in the... Oh, in that room with... Where, well, I mean, this is a different room, Crystal. Right. But Luis did punch out two guys. Okay, it's four guys unconscious in the building. There are four unconscious men in the building, yes. Okay. <laughs> and then he asks Scott, like, are we the good guys? Right. Scott says, yeah. And Luis, Luis says, like, feels kind of weird. Right. He's like, I just want to be sure, because I'm punching a lot of people, so, you know. Like, no, no, don't worry. Don't worry. It's cool. We're good. No, I think the line's supposed to be more like, oh, I was a criminal before, but now... Oh, no, I'm you're like, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which is... Okay. Whatever. Yeah. It's like, wow, it feels weird to do a good thing. I'm gonna go find some more people to punch. So now Luis is trying to run out the building... 
but he stops at the door and says, ah, wait, that guy that I knocked unconscious and tied up. Right, which, you know what? I had not considered what the point you've been working towards here. At the time, I was like, oh, you know what? I appreciate that they took a second to have him, like, acknowledge that he left a man to die and have him do something about it. But as you're pointing out now, he left four men to die and only worries about one of them. Right. Only the one guy he carries out. (laughs) Only that guy gets saved. (laughs) Whoops. Because I guess, uh, did we mention they planted a bunch of bombs in the building? Yeah, the building's gonna blow up. Yeah. Uh, but don't worry, Hank's got a way out of there, because that tank keychain from the beginning of the movie wasn't a keychain. It was a shrunky tank. So they get out of the building in the big tank. Yeah, they just drive a tank out there. Yeah. Uh, Darren is getting into a helicopter with some bodyguards and is yelling at them to, like, let's go. And Scott shows up with a whole fleet of ants. Darren, with some of the best aim... (laughs) Of anyone in any of these movies. Right, he's good. He hits Antony straight in the face. Like, it takes him multiple shots, but he shoots a flying ant out of the air. That's pretty good. (laughs) And he, he like, sees the ants coming from a real distance. (laughs) He's got some real good eyesight. Yeah, there's a dramatic shot of Antony's wing falling right. to the ground. Which, again, it's a stupid ant. It, like, barely has a real brain. Like, come on. <laughs> okay, well. <laughs> I mean, sure. An ant is... Like, I see what you're saying. But it's Antony. <laughs> he is Antony, that's true. Antony was such a good ant. Yeah. Well, but to my point, Scott falls off of Antony, lands on another flying ant, and then just continues on as if nothing had happened. Well, later in the movie, he's like... Uh, this was for Antony. Yeah, he does. That's true. I like to imagine that uh, Hank, every night, would just move that little saddle onto a different ant and make Scott <laughs> think it was always the same ant. Well, just to fuck with him. It's just like the ship of Theseus. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, um, Scott manages to catch up with the helicopter and break into it as the bomb is going off, which I guess it's like an ultra-shrinky bomb because it makes the whole building just implode into nothing. Right, it's an implodey bomb. Yeah. Uh, so there's like a cool... Eh, there's eh, there's a helicopter fight where he's on the helicopter fighting dudes. Uh, he gets thrown out of the helicopter for like a second and gets back in and Darren is in the yellow jacket suit now. There's a good reaction shot of Cross after he watches the building implode into nothing, thereby destroying all the data. Yeah, he's very sad about it. He's and not killing pleased. four men. Yeah. It just goes to show the real message of Ant-Man is uh, back up crucial data at a remote site, just in case. This is just a show. Corey Stoll, he can do uh, acting. Oh, yeah. No, he's uh, he's fine at acting. I just, yeah. I, I think the villain in this movie is not great. No. I remembered him being better. So Ant-Man tries to jump at him. He does slap him out of the air again. I, yeah. Good eyes. Good yeah. hand-eye coordination. Just really good. But yeah, uh, Ant-Man ends up in the uh, helicopter, he's in the yellow jacket suit now, and he's blasting lasers everywhere, but he can't hit Ant-Man because he's too dang tiny. Yeah, he doesn't have good aim anymore. Yeah. Yeah, that's true, he lost his aim. (laughs) Well, it's probably kind of hard to aim these things, actually. Yeah, probably, because they're weird, like, spider tentacles. Uh, While trying to shoot Ant-Man, he accidentally murders the pilots of the helicopter. Oh yeah, by shooting lasers all over the place? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and they both end up inside of Darren's briefcase that then goes flying out of the plane, and there's there's kind of a cool sequence where they're fighting inside the briefcase as it tumbles through the air. This whole Act 3 really goes, huh? 
Yeah, yeah. It's just like 20, 25, 30 minutes of nonstop action. There is a lot of fighting in this one. At least, what I'll say about this, because usually I get super bored during the action in these movies, they do find a lot of fun gimmicks to use with the shrinking for these set pieces in a way that makes them, like, at least novel to watch, if anything, you know? Yeah. But you're right that there's a lot of it. And when the movie is so rough on, like, characterization, again, could probably squeeze some of this action out of it to make room for the important parts. So at some point, Yellow Jacket and the Ant-Man get trapped in the briefcase, which then goes flying out of the helicopter. Right. And I think this is a fun scene where yeah. they're rolling around there with all the stuff. Yeah, yeah, and they bump onto the the phone, and he yells, I'm gonna disintegrate you! And Siri interprets that as to play Disintegration by The Cure. Yeah. It's, 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 a, it's like a 7 out of 10 goof, sure. And you get, like, a, a wide shot of the briefcase falling in the air and little laser shooting out of it. Yeah. yeah this, then they like, fall into a pool. <laughs> these, these fights, like, all, all the fight sequences at the end of this movie like to, like, play the joke a lot of when you see this fight in close-ups, it's very dramatic and cool. And in wide shots, it's dumb-looking and silly and tiny, you know? Right. Uh, so, yeah, they fall into a pool. Some families just having a nice backyard barbecue. Just having a good time. Yeah, playing some ping pong. And they're just ruining their night. <laughs> yeah. Like, he, he, there's no reason for him to shoot lasers at them. No, he's just a mean man. I guess they were going to call the cops, but, like, the cops know where he is. Right, they saw the helicopter crash. Right. Uh, but, uh, yeah, they have some more fighting. Ant-Man knocks him into the, the fly killer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, just as that's happening, like, he's running towards there to get him, but then his dang-ass cop, like, wife's new husband shows up. And tases him. Yeah, just take like, he takes the mask off, he's like, hey, listen, okay, this is serious, and just gets tased. And, uh, yeah, then we just cut into seeing that, like, you know, Yellow Jacket's getting all electrocuted, but he didn't, like, die. Uh, Scott wakes up from being tased in the back of the car, where his helmet is off of him now, and he tries to explain to this guy that they need to go back because there's something dangerous in, uh, that backyard, in the bug zapper. And, uh, for some reason, this infuriates the cop enough to, like, slam on the brakes and turn around and yell at him? Your delusions are getting out of hand. Which, okay. I know that this guy, him being delusional has not been a thing in this movie. Right. It's, uh, and also, at this point, Age of Ultron just happened. Like, are you really not going to believe that there's weird shit going on when you just saw a building implode? Right. It's, uh, again, it's just Mad Libs. It's, we know what this scene should look like, but we don't really care that much about what the specific lines of dialogue should be. So, there's something going on at Cassie's house. Yeah. So, they rush that way. The the two cops get out of the car to go check it out, which leaves Scott able to kind of wiggle the helmet onto his head. But Yellow Jacket's in his daughter's bedroom. Menacing her. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Scott uses one of his little shrinky bombs to shrink him, and they both shrink onto like a little train set she's got on a table with a Thomas the Train thing going. And they have like a fight on top of the Thomas the Train. Scott's like throwing train cars at him. This is, you know, like I said, it's, it's a fun little, fun it, little fight. Yeah, it, I, I agree with you that there's a lot of action and didn't maybe need this much, but at least they're finding novel set pieces for it. It's more the pacing of it because the action is not really spread out throughout the movie. It's just like all at this third act. Oh, I, yeah. No, you're definitely right about that, too. Yeah, because there's not really any action until the like fight with Falcon. And then it's just a lot of action. Right. 
Like, there, there's the whole heist, and there's a quick break for the Yellow Jacket speech. Yeah. And then it's, like, one long several sequences of different venues for fighting Yellow Jacket. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, they're doing this fight. You know, again, they do the fun, like, cut to a wide shot thing when Yellow Jacket gets hit by the train, because it's just a toy train falling off of a toy train track. Right. Uh, at some point, uh, one of the ants gets made giant by one of the growy bombs. Uh, what else happens here? There's just a lot of, a lot of, a lot of dust up. There's a point where the gang is going to, to Cassie's house, like, hey, Scotty needs us. Yeah. And they see 500 million cops there. And they slowly back away. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a funny joke. Uh, but yeah, they fight a bunch. They tussle. They scramble. They scuffle. At one point, Thomas the Tank Engine gets made giant and falls out of the house and does a bunch of damage. Yeah, the house is ruined. Oh, yeah, this house is destroyed. You know how much a house is worth? Yeah, in San Francisco, no less. Yeah. Yeah. Scott? Scott? Hopefully insurance covers this. <laughs> what, oh, oh, man. man. What I is wanna... insurance like in the Marvel universe? That's what I was about to say. I want a movie about the, an insurance company for, like, superhero damage. They've done damage stuff like control. that. Yeah, I was going to say, they've done stuff like that in comics, haven't they? They were going to make a show, but then they didn't. Oh, man. The big ant attacks the cop husband. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be... If a if an ant the size of a large dog trampled me like that, it would be the worst day of my life. <laughs> I would hate it so much. Yeah, the ant goes outside, and one of the, his cop partners is like, "That's a messed up looking dog." Yeah, kind of funny joke, but also what? So the cop goes upstairs into Cassie's room, tries to shoot Yellow Jacket with a gun. Yeah, Yellow Jacket's like, "I, I have a, a super suit." Yeah, so I'm gonna knock the gun out of your hand and then kill you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But then Luke, yeah, Scott breaks into like the the regulator compartment of the yellow jacket suit. Well, he doesn't yet. He can't. Yeah, it's titanium. Idiot. <laughs> Much like that one missile was. Right, titanium's the one weakness of the Ant Man suit. Right. Uh, yeah. So he jumps in. Scott's again. like, I have to shrink between the molecules to get in there. Right, because he's got to save Cassie. So yeah, he, he's gonna be the hero. Yeah. So he jumps in. He shrinks ultra tiny, manages to, like, fry some circuit boards on his way down. Luckily, the exact right ones, you know, because it's a movie. Yeah. Uh, and, but he just keeps on shrinking. Yeah. He eventually punches in the regulator, and then Yellow Jacket starts screaming as he is grotesquely... Yeah! ...shrunk into nothingness. Like, there's no blood because they didn't put any in, but it's a real awful thing to look at. Right, like his bones start twisting bad and he loses, like, one arm at a time. Yeah, as he just, like, shrinks down into, like, a, a singularity. Yeah, it's bad. Like Corey Stahl has good screaming. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Ant-Man just keeps shrinking smaller and smaller and smaller. Uh, his atoms get pushed together enough that he becomes subatomic. <laughs> Still mad about it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for being this way. Well, look, what if it's like the Animus? What does that mean? Where, you know, maybe Pym doesn't understand his own technology. Oh, I and see. And what he's really tapped into. You're saying that he does not push the atoms together. Right, that's just, you know, his, his... his theory. You know what, I'll accept that, because it also explains why Ant-Man's density changes depending on the needs of a specific shot. Right. So sure, why not? Let's go with it. So as Ant-Man goes subatomic, he... he, he... He starts seeing some microorganisms. Yeah, and you get, he starts seeing yeah. some molecules. He starts seeing some atoms. Yeah, and then he's in the quantum realm. Right, and now it's just like abstract shapes, as like he's like superimposed over himself over and over again, and it's all yeah, it's 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 neat looking. A reality where all concepts of time and space become 
irrelevance. Yes. Uh, and he passes out for a bit, but then he opens his eyes because he manages to hear Cassie's voice calling for him. And I'm not going to complain <laughs> That's that the way sound works makes that impossible, because I'm not going to be that much of a prick about it. You don't think the sound is going to bounce off these quirks? No, because sound is vibrating molecules. Like, okay. he's too small to hear sounds, but it's fine. It doesn't matter. He's psychically connected. These are all not real problems. It's just shit for idiots like me to nitpick. This a bunch of fractals. Yeah, I think the Quantum Realm was maybe a little disappointing after how much they built it up. Yeah, I mean, you know, they tried, but yeah. See, it, it isn't up... It's the reality gem problem again, right? Where, like, they have carte blanche to do the weirdest, wildest shit they can think of, and they turns out they can't think of that weird and wild a shit. They just got some shapes dancing around, and it's it's a little trippy, and, you know, it's the right direction to go, but it, they could do whatever they want. So Scott quickly figures out, why don't I just use my, my go big disc to make myself go big? Right, he crams the go big disc into uh, the part on the suit where the regulator goes, and, you know, th- that works. Yeah, and he gets big. He, he get big. He loses it almost for a second. Yeah, yeah, he like, cause there's like no gravity, and it just sort of starts to float away, but then he grabs it, because, you know. Uh, sure. Yeah, and Cassie's safe, Ant-Man's back. He just kind of ducks away. Uh, he gets the newfound respect of his wife's new husband. As he shrinks back up, there's like a, a hole in reality uh, that's vacuuming all the air out of the room. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know. And then Scott appears as if like an angel. Yeah. And uh, the cop kind of covers for him to escape. But Cassie sees the little tiny version of her dad waving at her on her bedside before jumping out the hole in the room. Yeah. Uh. And we cut back to Hank's house, where he's like, wait, 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 you went to the world that my wife disappeared into? How'd you, how'd you get out? How'd you, please, God, heal the wounds in my heart. And Scott's like, I don't know, man, I don't remember. It was, I remember it was really easy, and you're kind of a doofus, but I don't remember what it was. And that's, that's it for that, I guess. Cassie has adopted the ant talk. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, before that, though, we get a bit with, uh, like, Scott leaves, uh, Hank with Hope, and then Hank, like, opens the door, and they're just making out right outside his door, because now they're, now they're, you know. They, it was yeah, the they're main... the male and female leads of this movie. Exactly, so they got a smooch. I do like, as they're leaving, like, Scott's like, yeah, listen, oh, Hank, that was totally inappropriate, I don't know why your daughter just started kissing me like that, alright, bye. And it's just a good little exchange where Hank goes, Scott? Yeah. You're full of shit. Oh, yeah. It's just, you know, it's good acting <laughs> on their parts. It's a funny it joke. It is good. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Cassie has adopted the giant ant and is treating it like a messed up looking dog. She likes uh, gross things. Yeah. Um, the cop husband tries to explain how there were some technical glitches at the jail, and that means that Scott isn't arrested or in trouble anymore? It doesn't make any sense. Ah. You know. He says, Scott, I met with the captain today. He wanted a report on the night you got out of jail. Something happened with the cameras. Some circuits got fried. But I told him that you were processed correctly. So, okay. So what is that? Okay. I guess. They didn't charge him with anything. I guess, Another yeah. one big family, Luke. Yeah, why don't you say, hey, you know what? The guy whose house I broke into dropped the charges against me, so it doesn't matter. Right. Uh, but yeah, now he gets to be with his daughter because he's a superhero now. Um, And yeah, he's just, they have just a sort of saccharine family moment together. And yeah. But he gets a call from Luis. Oh, dang, he's got to go to work. 
So Luis explains that he was at this art museum with his cousin Ignacio, and there was like this abstract expressionism exhibit. Yeah. <laughs> even though Luis is more of a neo-cubist kind of guy. Which I think might be my favorite joke in the movie. But there was this one Rothko that was mm, just sublime. Yeah. Anyway, so Ignacio tells him that he met this crazy fine writer chick at a bar the other night. Yeah. And, and the- Stan Lee's there. He's the bartender. Right. And he says, yeah, that chick is crazy fine. Crazy stupid fine. Yeah. So the the writer chick says that she's got mad connections behind the curtains. Yeah. Like Avengers. Yeah. Because she's one of her contacts is Sam Wilson, the Falcon. Right. And Sam Wilson asks her if she's seen this dude that no one's seen, who's got some bomb moves. <laughs> she's like, well, we got we got lots of stuff nowadays. We got a guy who jumps. We got a guy who swings. We got a guy who crawls up the walls. All three of those are just Spider-Man. Right. Spider-Man. Even though... Hold on, this timeline. So in Civil War, Spider-Man says he's had powers for six months. Okay. So does Civil Hmm. War happen within eight months of Ultron? Well, this happens in July of 2018, of 2015, approximately. Okay. Civil War is May 2016. If you you fudge the timeline a little bit, I guess that works. Yeah, I don't think it quite works, but eh, maybe this coda happens later on than the rest of it. You know, it took some time to get to this point. So the Falcon says he's looking for a guy who shrinks. Yeah. So then all that gets back to Ignacio, which gets back to Luis. Right. So Luis asks Ignacio, did badass tell the stupid fine rider chick to tell you to tell me because I'm tight with that man that he's looking for him? Yes. And Scott's And he like, said yes. <laughs> right. And that's like, he just like has way too long of a beat and he goes, I said yes. And then it cuts to credits. Again, you know, funny joke. And that's the end of the film. Other than, you know. What is, you know what? Maybe the most infuriating scene of the movie now that I think about it. Why? Well, okay, because we cut to... Oh, yes, yes. Right, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, Hank takes Hope down to the basement, and he gives some dumb speech about who cares what. And he goes into the, like, safe where he had the Ant-Man suit, and he punches some numbers into a secret keypad and reveals that behind that safe was another safe. With an entirely other suit made for her that he's just had the whole time. <sighs> it's about damn time. See you in three years. Yeah. I, oh, they could have just let her do it. This is like next time, baby, from Iron Man 1. It is. Works. It is, but Iron Man 1 wasn't entirely about how all the problems of the movie would be solved if Rhodey was just Iron Man. Right. Ah. Oh. Dumb. Anyway, that's Ant-Man. There's another post-credits. Oh, is there? I did not watch Because, you know, the, the ending established that the Falcon is looking for Ant-Man. Right. He's getting pretty close. So in the post-credits, uh-huh, uh-huh. Bucky Barnes tra- has his arm trapped in some kind of thing. Uh-huh. And Captain America and Sam Wilson are there. I'm, I'm mashing through to get to it because I have not seen this. And Sam's like, you know, this would have been a lot easier to deal with a week ago. So he's like, ah, maybe we can call Tony. Sam says he won't believe us. And even if he did, who knows if the Accords will let him help. Oh, dang. And Cap's like, ah, I guess we're on our own. Sam says, maybe not. I know a guy. Ant-Man oh. will return. Right. That's a, that's a good post-credits. Yeah, sure. It just makes me remember the Ant-Man introduction scene in Civil War, and that makes me angry. But, you know. Why? We'll get to it in Civil War. What, because he does crime again? No, be- listen, we'll get to it in Civil War. No, get to it now. Well, I, I need to rewatch it to really, like, but it's just like, hey, you know who else needs to be in this movie? Ant-Man. Here's Ant-Man. Fuck it. Who cares? 
We'll okay. get to Civil War when we get to Civil War. It's a good movie. No, it's not. <laughs> Better than Winter Soldier. Mm, again, I gotta watch it to tell you that, because I'm pretty mad at Winter Soldier now, so we'll see, I guess. Well, what'd you think of this movie? I think this movie is aggressively okay. It is, yeah. it is two hours long, there's some attractive people making charming quips, some, like, novel action scenes... I didn't hate watching it, but also it's just not very memorable. Like, it's not... I was never, like, excited to be watching it. I was just like, yeah, this is this is okay, you know. Yeah, it's fine. It's um, fine. It's it's okay. I think it's really brought down by the hope stuff. Yeah, yeah. That I, I think it's brought down by the hope stuff. I think it's brought down by the weird cartoonish portrayal of the new husband. I don't think any of the emotional arcs make any sense. I don't think most of the, like, again, I think a lot of the dialogue feels like word salad. And it's, again, it's not, I, I, I was fine watching it. It's entertaining enough, but it, I don't, it, it doesn't stick with you. And it's just kind of, yeah, that's, that's a fun way to waste two hours. If you got nothing better to do, I guess. Sure. Why not? What grade would you give it? I'm waiting between like C and C plus. I'm thinking maybe just C, just right down the middle of the road. Just the same as good old solid C, same as Guardians of the Galaxy. I think that sounds about right, yeah. Is it better or worse than Guardians of the Galaxy? <sighs> uh, You know what? At least this movie acknowledges its weird issue with the woman character as opposed to Guardians, which constantly I... just comes with excuses to call Gamora, like, a whore. I don't know if that makes it better, is the thing. is like, I yeah. honestly think it would bother me less if they just brush past it, but they keep... Like, there are multiple scenes in this movie where they discuss it at length. Yeah, no, you're not wrong about that. But then they don't do it. Yeah, hmm. I'm, I'm on the fence. They're, like, neck and neck. Uh, I... I guess... Guardians? I guess, but it... No, no, this movie. This movie's got better action scenes than Guardians. Okay. So I'll, I'll give right. it to this one. But it's... They're basically equal. Okay. I'm gonna give it a C-. minus. Yeah. A little, little smidge lower than you. All right, all right. Which means I put it above Guardians of the Galaxy. Right. And below The Incredible Hulk. Okay, yeah. Uh, That one was easy. We <laughs> I feel like we've had a harder time with them lately, but that one just went right by. We got it graded. Yeah. Uh, We got any questions, Crystal? Yeah, I got a couple of questions. All right. Uh, people... Actually, no, we don't. We have zero questions about Ant-Man. No one responds to the first. Well, well, someone at least gave you uh, a good closing joke. Uh, let me check the question document. Yeah, okay. Might be some stuff in there. Uh, if you have questions, you can send them to mcucompleteme at gmail.com or just follow Crystal on Twitter at ArcaneCrystal and look out for when she asks for questions about a movie. I appreciated that usually you ask in all caps, but for Ant-Man, you asked in all lowercase. It wasn't too excited about it. Oh, I just thought it was a joke because he's tiny. Oh, okay. We got some we got some got stuff in the question document. First thing comes from Julie. Okay. Friend of the show. Yeah, yeah. How fucked is it that Gunn tried to downplay, if not entirely discredit, Nicole Perman's efforts, both with writing the original screenplay and also pushing for the movie's creation in the first place? It's uh, pretty effed. That sounds pretty fucked. Yeah, she told she told me about that like immediately after we stopped recording Guardians of the Galaxy. I was like, oh, well, hmm, wish I had heard that story like five minutes later. James Gunn seems like he kind of sucks. He's the bad guy. The whole, the whole thing with him getting fired is such a weird, like... Because, like, on one hand, he seems like he kind of sucks. On the other hand, it sucks that Disney listened to a bunch of alt-right shitbags. On the other hand, he seems like he kind of sucks, and also, even if he didn't, I'm not going to lose that much sleep over a man with more money than I'll ever have in my life, uh, not having a job anymore. 
I just, like, don't... Eh, it's all just weird and bad, and I don't like anyone involved in the situation. God, I remember people like, uh, this is gonna ruin his career. Like, no, it fucking isn't. And He's again, directing Suicide Squad 2 now. And again, even if it didn't, he he directed two Marvel movies. He doesn't need a career anymore. Yeah, he's gonna be fine. <laughs> Has anyone's career ever actually been ruined? Uh, I'm sure someone's must have. Uh, uh, what about, like, Roman Polanski? What's 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 he been up to? I don't know. What is he, I mean, he's like eighty five years old. Yeah, that's true. But I guess I, I don't know enough about like his history. Other uh, like things I know about Roman Polanski. He directed the movie that people like, and he's a very bear, terrible person. Listen, he pleaded guilty in seventy eight and has directed many films since then. All right, then. To much critical acclaim. Cool, great. Yeah, so he he's been doing fine. Yeah, I, I. I I don't think his career's been ruined, but I guess Woody Allen is, like, less of a... Like, no one talks about him, like, a great... Like, well, yes, they do. I don't know. Yeah, they totally do. Yeah, they totally do. Yeah, you're right. No one's career gets ruined. And these are... These, like, Roman Polanski pleaded guilty. Yeah. That, like, there's no room for for ambiguity in that one. He admitted in court that he's did terrible things to human beings. Woody Allen had the film released this year. Who did? Woody Allen. Did he? Shit, I didn't even know. Well, yeah, I... With, like, famous actors in it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure if you're famous enough, you just get to do whatever you want with only mild repercussions. So that's good. That's nice. Mel Brooks is, like, being in a big movie now. Johnny Depp is in a fucking Harry Potter movie. Yeah, Johnny Depp sucks. Yeah. Yeah, Nicole Nicole Perlman... Nicole Perlman got done dirty. Yeah, it sounds like it. Because she, she did, like, most of the early work of actually, how do we adapt this, like, kind of messy, mm-hmm. like, superhero team with a lot of, like, weird history that doesn't mesh together well. Yeah, yeah, And make it mesh together well. Yeah, th- that definitely sounds like they did not do right by her then. Uh, this is, uh, you know, I'm not super familiar with that story, but, you know, I'm, yeah, that sounds shitty. She is currently one of the, let's see. Looks like she's one, writing two. on Captain Marvel and Pokemon Detective Pikachu. Yeah, there, but there's like seven credited writers on Captain Marvel, yeah. which I I don't know how to take that. Well, there's only two credited writers on Detective Pikachu, so she's got a lot of creative control over that one, probably. Right. Why are they making a Detective Pikachu movie? I'm not even, listen, I might enjoy it. It just seems like a baffling decision. Eh, fine. <laughs> you know who's the voice of Pikachu? Who's the voice of Pikachu? Ryan Reynolds. Oh, that's... Hmm. Okay, I guess. I mean, sure, whatever. <sighs> it's just like, that game came and went, and I no one talked about it at all. Like, when that game first got announced, everyone was like, oh, wow, it's crazy, Pikachu's talking with a weird, deep voice. Anyway, who cares? And that was it. Did that game have, like, a limited release in the States? Uh, I don't know. Uh, let me look it up. I because like I don't even remember seeing that. Well, remember like, they made like the for it. the extra like the plus sized Pikachu amiibo for it. Huh. Yeah. Like it, it. It's just a 3DS game in an era when no one wants a 3DS game, other than all the people that you know own 3DSs and not Switches. Yeah. No. There's totally 3DS games that sell well. Right. Recently. Yeah. Yeah. No. I, I'm, yeah. But I they like don't especially like gaming publications don't care about the 3DS anymore. Huh. They've just decided it's done. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, that was a weird, <laughs> that was a weird tangent to go on here. Sarah asks, is the Venom Tongue really prehensile, or is it just independently sentient? Uh, I don't think there's any evidence to support it being independently sentient. I mean, I'm not a comics expert, so maybe, but... 
Yeah, I don't know. But that be that might be a neat idea. If if Venom has his own symbiote? Yeah. Yeah. Why not? It's like a mitochondria. Yeah, yeah. Uh are we are we good? Yeah, those are the questions. Alrighty. Yeah. Give us more questions next time. I guess no one cares about Ant Man that much. No one cares about Ant Man. <laughs> Apparently. Uh yeah, you get us. I guess you got a joke for me. I know you do because I saw someone tweet one at you. Yeah, do you do you have anything you want to plug? Oh yeah, that part happens. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at SSJ Speed Racer. Uh, you can check out a bunch of other shows I do, like Totally Reprise, uh, Let's Place, which I do with you, uh, where we talk about video games. Uh, Teenagers Attitude, it's about Power Rangers. Saturday nights at 9 o'clock Central, we're getting back to doing Silver Pines, which is an RPG stream, and that's that's a fun time. Come check it out. What about you, Crystal? What do you want to plug? Uh, Twitter.com slash ArcaneCrystal, Patreon.com slash ArcaneCrystal, the Book of Medora podcast, where we talk about the lore of the Legend of Zelda series. All right, all right, cool. What are we talking about next time? Is it Doctor Strange or? It's Captain America Civil War. <laughs> I guess that makes sense given they teased it at the end of this one. I'm just surprised we're already on another. All right, listen, we'll get to it. Another Captain America movie? Well, no, it just feels like, listen, that feels like it's basically an Avengers movie. It isn't, though. Eh. Oh, we're going to have a fight about this. This is one of the most mis- misunderstood aspects of the oh film. Oh, my God. I'm going to hate myself so much in a few weeks. So everyone looks at it like an Avengers movie, but it's not. It's Captain America 3. Go on and read your dumb joke about Ant-Man. This joke comes in from Cassidy. Thank you, Cassidy. What do you call a superhero who shrinks in the wash? Uh, I don't know, Crystal. What do you call a superhero that shrinks in the wash? Pants-Man. I don't get it. It's like you put pants in the wash and the, the shrink? You ever had that happen? No, never. Okay, you want another one? No, I mean, I think that, I mean, you know, it's fine. Let's let's just get out of here. I, I mean, it's, it just seems like it didn't really do it for you. Yeah, let me look up an Ant-Man joke. <laughs> oh, no, what have I done? Um, how did Ant-Man win the Nobel Peace Prize? This comes from funkidsjokes.com slash Ant-Man jokes. How did Ant-Man win the Nobel Peace Prize? I don't know, Crystal. How did Ant-Man win the Nobel Peace Prize? He was brilliant. <laughs> Bye. Why was Thor yeah, winning no. Ant-Man? <laughs> he kept what? bugging him. <laughs> Where did Ant-Man go with the Wasp on Friday night? Oh, oh, oh. To a local dance club. That's... Who is Ant-Man's famous French relative? Napoleon. Why did Ant-Man go to the zoo to get married? I don't know. He wanted to ant-elope. That's... no, that's not... go now. Can I go now? (laughs) Sure. Alright, great. We'll see you, everybody. Bye, everybody. (laughs) 